Today's podcast is loaded with guests. We have Chris Long talking football. And I guess he doesn't like Seinfeld for almost an hour. He goes, I mean, look, we cover it all in that one. Van Lathan is going to join us talking a little LSU football. He was mad that I was at the Bama game. Kind of what we think of LSU and also perhaps the end of Twitter. And then he does life advice with us. And Saruti stops by. New dad alert. First dad on the podcast. Saruti wins the award. Little World Cup preview. Don't get on my case and like we said, Life Advice and our Friday picks with Kyle. Enjoy. This episode is presented to you by Lululemon. The perfect pants do exist, and you can get them at Lululemon. The men's ABC pants are shockingly comfortable and breathable, and they come in tons of different styles and fabrics, all made to make you look and feel good. Whether you're in the office, at the gym, cheering in the stands, or just relaxing at home, these pants are in a league of their own. Buy a pair today at lululemon.com. This episode is brought to you by Kia's first three-row all-electric SUV, the Kia EV9, with available all-wheel drive that sets the pace and seating for up to seven adults, with zero to 60 speed that thrills you one moment and available lounge seats that unwind you the next. Visit kia.com slash EV9 to learn more. Ask your Kia dealer for availability. No system, no matter how advanced, can compensate for all driver error and or driving conditions. Always drive safely. The thing about buddies is... Sometimes you get so close, you don't want to bother the other guy because I know how busy he is. Chris Long, Greenlight Podcast, three episodes a week. He's got his brother on one of them. Uh, it's a lot of fun. I really love the show. Um, but we haven't done this in a really long time. So thanks. What's up? My dude, what's up? Nothing. I don't even remember the last time we did it on this end because I'm like, oh, man, the poor guy's so busy. So uh, I'm fired up, I love up, coming man. on. I love coming on, Rye. So let this, I'll say it once. I, I'm always available, even though, yeah. Yeah, I'm psyched, dude. It's good to okay. be here. Okay, let's start with some basics. We have some fun stuff in here, but let's start with some basics. I told you, and I said on this pod as well, that Tennessee, because they were the one seed last year, I kept being like, come on, really? The Titans? Um, and whatever. This year, I feel like I have more respect for them, even though they're not as good. They beat Green Bay last night. You know, I bought into a little bit of maybe Green Bay figuring some things out. I thought that was a really great performance from Tennessee. Rodgers wasn't terrific. Maybe it's an AFC thing. Or you're just like, this is how far superior the top is for that. What did you take away from that and who the Titans could be in the playoffs? Listen, I I, I think I'm like you. Um, I want to respect the Titans. I want to believe in the Titans. They're so fun. They, you know, like um, they're so scrappy. They're so hard to kill. Um, you know, obviously it starts with Derrick Henry, but when Tannehill plays the way he played last night, they're capable of beating a lot of people. And they haven't had a ton of like truly quality wins if you look back at their schedule, and that includes like the Packers, it depends on what you consider the Packers to be. You know, are, are they the Packers we saw last week? Or are they the Packers we saw the rest of the season? So, um, you know, like um, not saying Tennessee has to prove more to me. Uh, I, I know they're capable of, their their floor is so high. They're capable of, of muddying it up with anybody. You look at that, like they walk into Arrowhead with Malik Willis, they're down nine, nothing. So you get punched in the mouth on the road. Uh, not the blueprint you want to play with with a kid uh, who who fresh out of Liberty uh, and and has gotten some preseason snaps, but they managed to to muddy that game up and be in it right to the end. I think uh, starting zero two is another thing people forget about this team. Uh, I can remember the Giants beating them and thinking, "Ah, oh, the Giants aren't that good." They they beat Tennessee. Tennessee doesn't look that good. It's just so funny how far we come in eight, 10 weeks uh, as we figure things out about teams. I just love Mike Vrabel. Um, I, you know, Henry didn't have to have 100 yards for them to be really spectacular last night at, at times. That was their biggest uh, point total, I think, on the year. And uh, it came in a big spot. 
Yeah, I think it's a good win. I think prime time at Green Bay. You know, I know what the Packers are for the most part. They don't excite us anymore, but I'm with you. I just I just don't think that's an easy game to win, and they were clearly the better team. I, real quick, interior linemen, how many guys are better than Jeffrey Simmons? Not many. <laughs> Not many. Um, Is he you know, mean, wanna... too? Yeah, that's what I love about him. You know, he's a dog, man. You know, um, the way I think about Jonathan Allen and his attitude and the way he plays. And, um, you know, I just think he's such a tone setter. He's so perfect for that group. They really are a very unique culture. And, you know, Vrabel's got his fingerprints all over it. And and Jeffrey Simmons is the perfect kind of player. Um, he just plays bully ball, man. Like, he, he really fits the way they play uh, football. And I think somehow he's underrated. I really do. Um, and Bud Dupree was out last night and everything. They, they've got, you know, they, they've missed Landry, um, but they've done a pretty good job. Long Jr., uh, you know, he, he's fun to watch fly around. The secondary played well last night. Like, I really like this team. And the way, the way they go on the road and, you know, the first drive, touchdown, and then you talk about the middle eight, like winning the middle eight as an NFL team, like the four minutes before the half, the four minutes out of the half. They go down to score a touchdown right before the half. So you get first drive touchdown, you get right before the half touchdown. Like they, they're they very well coached. We've seen Vrabel um, fuck with people on clock stuff. You've seen him drive the, you know, the hoodie crazy. Like he is legitimately a first class NFL coach. And it's really cool as a former player to see that. Not just that ride, but also like a former pass rusher, you know? You don't get a lot of that. So I, I love seeing Braves thrive. And every time I bet against them, as I did last night, because I I took Green Bay, I tried to zag. I thought my brain was telling me Tennessee. And I was like, yeah, maybe this is their night uh, at Lambeau. Mm-mm. But I will say this, Ryan. Did you see that guy's house? The guy's house? Across I did. The Bro, incredible. I mean, he looked like it was like a Manhattan Beach house. So for those that may not have caught it on the broadcast, incredible camera work for Amazon oh. where they just have this camera panning through this absolute dude palace. Yes. It's got everything you'd ever want. You know, and it's weird. Like when you're a kid, you go, I want this. I want that. I want all these different things. And then guys don't do it. Yeah. I don't know if it's a wives thing. Let's not open <laughs> that up to a gender discussion. But yeah. most guys end up not pulling. It's almost like buying you know, I remember I had a, a lift kit Toyota in 88 with the Gator net and my buddies were like, you got the truck that we all had as a remote control thing. And then eventually, <laughs> but the thing is my friends in their late teens and twenties were going, then you get older and you go, I don't really want this as my ride. And you did it. When I looked at that guy's house at Lambeau, where then as it pans through every toy and TV that you'd want, this back area with a fire pit where the backdrop across the street is Lambeau Field, like uh-huh. it, makes, it makes you not be bummed out. You don't have a ticket. Well, I don't think the guy tried to. I think the guy could afford a ticket. I don't, know what, I don't know what the property value is, like what Lambeau Field does to your property value, but his house, like judging by kind of the stone that was on the ground and some of the, you know, the, uh, you know, the, 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 just the stuff in his crib, I feel like he had the money and uh, and he was sitting there like he had that shit eating grin on his face, just sitting there watching, you know, one of his outdoor TVs as the camera panned by him. Yeah. Like, get a load of this, Amazon, get a load of this, Al Michaels, you know, um, and you got to give Al Michaels something to be excited about. That dude is he, he's he's tired, boss. <laughs> he, he's not um, 
he's not real jazzed about doing these Thursday night games. Are you picking that up with Al? I'm picking it up a little bit. I mean, the quality of the games has been objectively, and I'm the last person. Like, I hate when people are like, God, this sucks. Like, I, the quality is so bad. Like, I like ugly football. I, lo- I love low-scoring games. I love defense. But I will agree with people. I'll join the herd a little bit on this thing. I mean, it has been really tough. And the year in general, Rye, the quality of football has not been great. And it has affected the way we've evaluated teams. You know, like teams are going long stretches and not playing anybody. And I want to see November and December. Um, you know, it, it, the, the, the middle class is so, you know, it's, it's kind of non-existent. I, I do feel like Tom Brady was right. There's a lot of bad football and it has shown up on Thursday night. Okay, I want to stay on Vrabel here for a second because it's a bigger topic. Dan Rossini once was like, you're just like Vrabel to me. And I went, what does that mean? She's like, it's, it's, it's a compliment, sort of, you know? And I went, mm-hmm. all right, well, can, can you follow up on it at all? And she's like, he just, he doesn't have time for the bullshit. He's miserable. He just, okay. All right. Maybe that's what she was saying. Anyway. Yes, I think there's a way of, that's the nicest way you can tell somebody they're miserable. You're like this great NFL coach who's also miserable, except you're not a great NFL coach. <laughs> you know, that seems uh, I might have to uh, now I feel okay not not quite the compliment I was hoping it was going to be but it sounds like people want to play for him so I want to have I want you to give me your top 3 guys you'd play for right now but then I'm going to try to give you my top 3 that I think I'd like to play for yeah. and you're going to tell me because you know me well whether or not I'm completely right or wrong okay um I would go I mean like Vrabel would be one but I do hear he works your ass hard like, so if I'm a vet on that team, am I going to get some days off? Because Lord knows I never got any days off. That's one thing. It's the only thing I'm still pissed at Philly about. Well, a couple things, but one of them being that I never got a day off. Would Mike Vrabel give the 34-year-old me a day off? Would he give the 37-year-old me a day off? Um, I love Brian Dable. Uh, Brian Dable was cool as hell in New England and um, obviously cool as a head coach. You know what I love about him is... He hasn't had to act like a New England guy. And, you know, that I said that on my pod and people were like, oh, you don't like New England. I was like, no, I love New England. Okay, like those guys are awesome. The coaches are great, but be yourself. You know, and I think Brian's done a great job of that. So, um, and I want to give a tie. Can I do a tie? I'll, I'll do tie between, because there's one guy I've always wanted to play for. And that was Mike Tomlin. Um, Mike Tomlin just seems like a guy that he instills that I don't give a fuck attitude in 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 a team like we just we're competitive we're not afraid of anybody we'll we'll play you in the alley like that type of thing and then i i want to give a shout out to nick sirianni i didn't want to be a homer but when i went up to visit uh philly it was real cool he kind of opened you know like they they let me like come back and just kind of hang out and i got to be at the facility and that sort of thing which i don't take lightly because i don't want to be that guy right got to take my kids through there and i got to meet nick and um you know, he's tall, tall guy, Ryan. He's probably just as tall as me. And I was thinking like, I, this guy was sold on this guy, but like the height on this leader, um, it's important to have a tall coach. And I would love to play for a tall, energetic young coach in Nick Sirianni who does not look like he sleeps at all. So, you know, he's giving it his all for the team. Uh, a tall guy, I, Nick Sirianni, I won't throw him in the mix. Yeah, look, tall presidents. Look at the history. Not a lot of short ones in there. Exactly. Well, that is that a bad thing or a good thing? Because I feel like a lot of them suck. 
maybe I don't know. I mean, if I'm if I'm under five ten right now, I don't love this part of the podcast, but the history is telling you that Sirianni. I can I can add a little to that because uh, I really want him to come on the show with you, my neighbor Anthony Costanzo. I want you guys to chop it up so bad. Yeah. And it's just hilarious, you know, seeing him walk through the neighborhood and then a couple of their neighbors are like, you talk to him because he looks like the mountain from Game of Thrones. And oh, yeah. You know, Costanzo? Yeah. Right. So they're just like, what? So he was he was just and I don't think I'm sharing anything, but he just goes, you know, Sirianni, man, because I'm so happy for him, because if you know him, you know that it like that's the version you're getting every minute you interact with him. Yep. And he got crushed because his opening presser, it wasn't something he was used to. Not everybody's comfortable in that moment. And then all of a sudden, it's like, I can't believe this guy got a job. And then everybody starts debating stuff all over again. But it's like, no, no, the guys that knew him, like they just feel that he's so genuine that I think that's, look, the roster's really good. They figure yeah. some things out with Hurts. There's a million reasons the Eagles have been good. We're going to touch on it a little bit later. But I, I love getting that insight from guys that have those relationships or know about him or have friends that are still playing for him, being like at the very least with Sirianni, He's completely true to who he is, and you love playing for that. That's exactly right. And, like, I was nervous, uh, you know, not about the press conference because Lord knows, like, I'm pretty sure Urban Meyer probably had a good press conference and that sort of thing. And ironically, that whole class of coaches, we gave Dan Campbell shit. We made fun of Nick Sirianni for the press conference. And I did not hear people lamenting the the Urban Meyer hire like that, even knowing what was what, who he was going into it. So... I think you should always take anybody's analysis on a hire or, you know, the press conference that follows with a grain of salt. But I, I remember immediately like hearing from Kelsey and Lane and those guys and Brooks and like all just all those guys, you know, that that no bullshit that this guy was legit. He was 100 percent authentic. And, you know, the words are like you would love him. So when the players say that, um, you know, coach really has something. He has an opportunity. I, I do think, I don't know what the hit rate on likability on new coaches is. Like truly, like, you know, there's some good coaches that are like wizards, but do the guys really like them? Uh, and that's a big prerequisite. Like being liked as a leader, whether you like that or not, it's important that guys like who you are or they fear you. Um, and, you know, if you're not going to come in there as you know, a scary dude trying to reset the culture and, you know, heads are going to roll, then guys got to like you. And I think Sirianni was really likable off the jump, but also people respected who he was and he knew exactly who he was. And that came through. Likeable wizards. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. That should be your thing. I, I don't yeah. want to derail this with who I think I could play for because now it feels stupid out loud because I want to stay in the No, Eagles I kind of want to guess. Can I guess? Yeah, go ahead. Well, actually, I think you would play really well for Mike McDaniel um, because he's not get, he's not running like um, he's not going to boss you around. Like, I don't think you like being bossed around. Like, I think you like being leveled with and you can tell he's the type of coach that, you know, he, he, he looks at you as a peer. Like, we're all working together. Like, he doesn't have a choice. He's not imposing looking. He's not 50 years old. He looks like he's just as young as Tua and those guys. Like, and I just love seeing him on the sideline. You know, there's some clips of, of him and Tua this week, like kind of going through things and it's collaboration. You know, as much as it is like an amazing system that he's running, like he he cares what the players think. And I think you I think you would like Mike McDaniel. I I, I don't know. No, you're right. You're right. I just have to just be, if it's bad news, just tell me the bad news. I don't Got want it. So are you saying I couldn't play for Belichick? I think Belichick's the other uh, extreme. Like, 
you, you're willing to be managed, but by people you respect. <laughs> so I'd be fine. You'd be fine with Bill. You'd be yeah. fine with Bill. Yeah. I mean, like you would almost like the fact that there are no windows in that facility. I mean, you, you know, you, you, you kind of like it gloomy. So, um, I, I think you could deal with Bill pretty well. He gives it to everybody equally. I think you would respect him on that. I could see you getting your ass ripped in front of the big screen there in the meeting room and taking it like a champ. Yeah. Bill McDaniel. And I think you, Dable, I, no, Sala. Sala likes to lift weights. You can tell. Yeah, run stairs, lets people know. I'm not afraid yeah. to let people know I did something this week. Uh, I have two others. McVeigh, just because we've hung out yeah. with him. That's true. Right. And I just I think if I were the backup QB, I'd just be on the sideline with him being like, let's dial some shit up. And he'd yeah, be like, exactly. yeah. Exactly. Uh -huh. And then I think I could be the backup for Cliff, but Cliff might get annoyed with me. Like I might be like, hey, what's the plan later? He'd be like, it's yeah. fucking the second quarter, Rosillo. Doing life advice on hard knocks. In season hard knocks, Ryan Rosillo, that'd be great. That would be a bad fit, though, because McCoy would be like, look, I get him. We've known each other a long time, but like, you know, <laughs> we're not going to be buddies. Like we have different we have different lives. Steve Kahn's cool, too. You would really like working for Steve Kahn. Yeah, that's a good one. That was that was under the radar. I didn't I didn't think about that. OK, Kyler, um, though, I don't know that you're going to like. Uh, you know, playing with Kyler. <laughs> It just depends on how much he yells at me and whether or not it's my yeah. fault. Yeah. It's my fault. Yeah. No yeah. problem. No, no problem. problem. Although I have a hard time believing that if I were playing, I feel like this has gone too long because I'm, I'm not good at any of these things. I just, we'll just leave it at that. We'll leave it at that. We'll keep it. Moving. Okay. Let's go back to the Eagles. Yeah. Washington's actually a lot better. You know, it was, you look through it. It was kind of funny a few weeks ago. You're going, you know, this is not an easy out anymore, despite the fact they start one and four. Uh, I don't know if it's just Heineke not being Wentz. That can be part of it. I think we've liked their defensive personnel going back to like two years ago and you're like, hey, they have a really great foundation, something to build, and there's a dip. And I just think it's tough to play consistently great defense when you have no trust in your offense. Anyway, I, I think there's great defensive rosters I've looked at going, these guys just know they have no chance after week 10 and the numbers are going to suck now. Uh, it's it's hard to sustain this. So you know, when we look at the profile of who they are and, and which teams we think are the very top tier, and clearly they're in that tier, what do you make of them, like, big-time chances, the whole thing, like, the whole version of what the Eagles could actually be? Well, it's so funny this year because uh, every big-time contending team has, like, a flaw. You know, the, you know, and teams have flaws, but, like, right now it's, you know, well, the Bills I didn't think really had many weaknesses, but Josh isn't playing well. I'm sure we'll talk about that. Kansas City's working their way through, you know, um, you know, turnover and weaponry. Kadarius Tony's going to make a big difference for them. I think he's as important a player in the second half of the season as there is in the league um, because he could unlock something a little bit different in Patrick Mahomes, uh, who's probably the MVP at this point, in my opinion. Um, Jalen Hurts and the Eagles are cooking. Yeah, the, the Vikings are great. Um, that proved a lot last week, them going to Buffalo and beating that team. But do you trust Kirk Cousins in the playoffs, as unfair or fair as that might be? The Eagles really, um, it felt like for a long time here, they did not have a weakness. Um, you might, If you were being picky, you'd say, hey, you know, maybe adding a power back at the deadline. But the offensive line, always been great. You know, they've done a really nice job. Stoutland's done a nice job. They've turned that over. They hit on the you know, the draft pick of the big, uh, the big rugby guy, you know, um, and, and, and Dickerson and, and, 
you know, Kelsey's still playing at a high level and Lane and those guys, you know, quarterback's doing a really nice job. I think he's taking some big jumps year one to two, essentially. I don't want to count his rookie year. Um, you know, going out and getting A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, Dallas Goddard, who's now hurt, which is a big deal. Um, and then defensively, I think the biggest difference is when you when you get these rushers, uh, corners of that caliber, it changes the whole game uh, up front. And when you invest in linebackers, which they haven't done in the past, it changes the game. You go out and get Garner Johnson, who's got a bunch of picks in the last few games. They've done everything they can to win right now, and it shows on that roster. The one thing, though, that they're struggling with is the run defense. And, you know, you go down to Houston in a game where you're 12-point favorites or whatever it is, um, you almost cover, but you still get the ball run up your ass. And Damian Pierce is a hell of a young back, um, but I thought going to that game they'd be able to say, hey, make Davis Mills beat us. And it just did not go well for him. And then the, the the very next week, they're they're looking at it again. And the Commanders game did not surprise me, Ryan. Um, you know, maybe it surprised me that they won the game, but that was always going to be a dogfight. Um, and they, you know, Scott Turner did a great job. Ron did a great job. You know, talking about time of possession, the Eagles had the ball six minutes in the first half. So, um, you know, they didn't have to to break off a bunch of explosive runs, but it's the God, will they ever stop breaking off these three, four yard runs? I mean, like, will they will they lose that commitment? And they didn't. And so now you've got Indy coming up. Um, you have Tennessee coming up. You've got Dallas coming up. You have a bunch of you got the Saints coming up who aren't a great team, but they can run the football a little bit. Um, they're gonna be tested this way. And they bring in Joseph and Sue. Um, I don't know where Sue is physically. You know, I I I don't know if he's going to be able to help them right off the bat. But Joseph, I think, is going to be the real catalyst for them until they get Jordan Davis back. So the Eagles can beat anybody. But if they can't stop the run, that's a major weakness. You know, that's not, I hate to sound like old school football guy here, but, um, you know, I would have taken a lot of different weaknesses over not being able to stop the run at this juncture in the season. Fletcher Cox played 70 snaps the other night. That's too much. So I, I think they, they, they shore that up and they can beat anybody. And, and, and they'll expect to be the team out of the NFC. I feel like every time a team has an unbelievable turnover, plus minus, the fans will be like, what do you mean? Why can't it be sustained? And you're like, well, because it usually just isn't. Fumbles that you recover, that you end up not recovering later on, tip passes. Although I think Hertz is, like if I were to talk about him as a basketball player, I'd go, he's got one of the best handles. You know, his, mm-hmm. his ball skills, really, like the way they, when they run that, that maybe it's like, you know, five yard line and goal to goal situation where it's like this inside handoff play action and he kind of rolls out and he's got two options and it feels like Devontae Smith's always wide open right in front of him because yeah. people pay attention to the stuff that's going on, like just all the eye shit. They they bail on the easy thing and, and get tricked by the other stuff. So I think that they take care of the football better where that part of it's sustainable. Um, but look, they had four giveaways against Washington. They were due. They were due to have one of these games at some point. They had three all season long. Yeah. 
And I think this is coming. And I really, like you said, division game, Washington better than probably people realize unless you're really locked into the whole thing. They were due to lose a game. So I, I don't look at that going, oh, finally they're exposed. You're supposed to lose a couple of no, games this, by this, this point. This is good. This is good that they lost. I mean, I hate being the guy, you know, it's cliche, you want to lose, like, but you do. You, like, that team was too hot, man. Like, they, I, to start off the season that hot, it's an undue burden on the guys to to carry that kind of target the entire year and to be, you know, like when we won the Super Bowl, we were, it was a slow build. We weren't supposed to be good. We lost, you know, the first game of the season in Kansas City. Uh, we kind of, we kind of worked our way into the thing where people by November were like, damn, they're good. And by the time they, they knew we were good, Carson got hurt. So like we never were really, you know, we never had the target on our back. And I think that's a whole different, um, challenge for these guys. And that's a city where it's a tough city, but when they love you, man, you're like, you know, you're like the uh, 85 bears or something. And we were kind of getting that feeling in that city where, you know, these guys, it's a lot of hype. You know, I don't think they have the DNA of a team that buys the hype. And it starts with Jalen because he's a great leader um, and Kelsey and those guys, but inevitably young guys get complacent and, you know, the turnovers, you know, Quez Watkins gets up, gets the ball taken off him. St. Juice has played really well. He battled Justin Jefferson a week ago. I, I really like that kid, by the way, in Washington, who's emerged after they traded Jackson. Um, Quez Watkins stays down. If, you know, that ball to A.J. Brown, which was right on his hands, falls into his hands, you know, like there's a lot of ifs. If the face mask is called, if BG lets up on that, on that uh, sack at the end of the game, which is a really tough situation, although he had time to stop. Let's not act like he didn't have time to stop. But the knee in the in the backfield, there's just, you needed, like you said, you needed this game where everything went wrong. And you got it. Um, but I, I really do believe they have the DNA of a team that, that can weather this storm and figure it out. And Howie Roseman just keeps firing, man. Hey, we have a problem. We're going to handle it right now. Joseph, Sue, whatever we can do, we're going to throw the kitchen sink at it. And as a player, you love to know that GM wants to win. I, I, was it you or was it your brother Kyle that tweeted out, if you celebrate a roughing the passer like Heineke does, that they should be offsetting? Because I don't know if I, I didn't, I didn't tweet that. I, I think that's might pretty have been, funny. Because <laughs> I felt that way. Because I'm yeah. like, because I was at a restaurant, I'm watching the game. Yeah. And I'm going, wait, why is he like, why is he so pumped up? Cause he just got, and then I go, oh, he must have gotten the flag. I'm like, there's the flag. I go, I don't, I granted it, it won the game. Yeah. I mean, that was, that was mm-hmm. pretty much it. And I'm thinking to myself, I don't like that. I don't like yeah. celebrating getting mauled on how, you know, that people can bitch about. I, I'm over people bitching about roughing the passer just in general. Cause it's like, hey, look, everybody wanted to be safer. So that means you're going to get some calls. Like, I think the sideline calls are the worst. I don't know what the hell you're supposed to do when you're a defensive back or a linebacker and you're running sideline to sideline and the guy's still inbounds veering. Like, you yeah. blast that guy. Like, Darren yeah. Woodson once told me, you live. <laughs> I just had Drew Bledsoe on the pod. You know, yeah, like, sideline, like, you know, it's, um, it's one of those things, man. And and another thing about Jalen is he had such a weapon on the goal line. You alluded to it, not just being a, a, a good decision maker, but also he's such a great runner inside the five. I mean, Lamar's great. You know, Justin Fields is scary. I feel like Justin Fields has to pick up a lot of steam, though, before he gets like, you know, like peak Justin Fields. Like Jalen Hurts 
is really built for that inside the five stuff. You know, how many times has he fallen forward, dragging two guys like big dudes, right? Into the end zone. And I think that's so, when you look at teams that have struggled in the red zone this year, when you look at certain teams like, you know, Tom's the, the goat, right? But there's nobody to throw the ball to in the red zone. It's it's tough sledding down there. Like it, it's a different kind of weapon to have a guy like Jalen down low in the red zone. Um, and that makes a huge difference. You know, the difference between three and seven, it's crazy when you add it up. So, um, yeah, I, I'm a big fan of Jalen's. And he's thrown the deep ball really well this year. Like, look at a couple of those balls. That's kind of always been a thing that I've, I feel like he's been able to do. But, like, go watch that Pittsburgh game if you dare. Uh, <laughs> some of those balls he, he threw outside the hashes deep down the field were unbelievable. And even the ball that was picked the other night was right on the money. So, um, if anything, what they've added is some stuff underneath to help him in that area of the game. You know, the intermediate stuff and and Dallas being out. That's why it worries me a little bit. Okay, that's a great point, too. And you're right. As soon as you see Jalen carry a couple guys in, because you don't really see that with a quarterback long term. I mean, you know, granted, Josh Allen can light somebody up. Um, you know, if they're darting towards the pylon, we've seen defensive backs lose that collision a few times. But Hurts, you see him drag a couple guys in, and then mandatory video of him squatting at Bama or somewhere else, which is, yeah. which is it's always a like strong my, dude, man. He is no. a strong dude. Yeah, like not, he's not quarterback strong. He's he's like NFL guy strong. So yep. I'm glad you brought up the red zone thing because one of my favorite stats, you just look at it and it tells a lot of good stories. Red zone touchdown percentage, right? So who's number one? Kansas City, not a surprise. All the stuff, whether it's Mahomes, the ability, the roster. I love your call on Tony because I think with him in this offense, like we could start seeing the stuff that we saw at Florida. Hopefully Tennessee's number two. You know, so sometimes the story is, wait, you know, maybe I don't like this team as much, but they're scoring touchdowns 75% of the time that they're in the red zone. So you're going to win a lot of football games and you do that. And I think Henry obviously speaks to that, maybe the size they have a receiver. Um, Philadelphia is number three. And to me, that is Hurts. It is, it's, it's just how dangerous he is. Not as a fluky, hey, do I want to run it in, but a design thing where you're actually going to have to stop the guy too. And yeah. I'm also so happy to see Devontae play this way because, you know, you'd watch him at Bama and there was all the other first rounders and Devontae's a little bit behind him. And you're thinking like, man, I'll tell you, all these other guys are awesome, but number six is open and he catches everything. Yeah. And even though he's a little slighter, I'm thinking before the draft, I go, if he's not good in the NFL, like I give up because yeah. he was just that automatic at Bama. And they're just doing a terrific job with that. And I think when you start thinking about like who the teams are that you trust in the playoffs, that's something that travels. Like what they do in the red zone doesn't feel like it's fluky at all. And I want to stay with that and kind of take it out further in that the season changes a bunch of different times, whether it's injuries, whether it's adjustments to you, whether it's weather. Yeah. What is it like to really be in it every single week, trying to figure out who you are, realizing like in the building you realize that things are changing, whether you're better or worse, far quicker than we realize it from the outside. It's funny, dude. Every every team I feel like that doesn't make the playoffs has the game where they know like it, it's not going to happen. And whether that's an elimination game or whether it's one earlier in the season, I've been on a lot of teams where, you know, it's almost easier to be on the one in fifteen teams than the um, seven and nine, six and ten teams because it's over fast, and then it's just about survival, right? But, you know, seven and nine, you know, uh, or th now it'd be, you know, seven and 10 or eight and nine, whatever the hell it is. It just doesn't sound right. But with you, there, there are these games where, you know, you go in and you'll have a few of them, too, because coaches, 
they'll sell you a dream week after week. You know, you get in and and Friday night, it'll be like, we have to win this game or we're going home, fellas. You know, that type of thing. Then we lose the game. And then we get the same speech the next week. And I'm like, damn, are we eliminated yet? Like, <laughs> you know, we we keep going in the in the locker room. And those are the the games that are the worst. And I can remember having those games defending the Super Bowl title in 2018. I mean, we went to Tennessee and blew a lead. You know, we got beat by New Orleans by 40 points down in New Orleans. Um, just the types of losses in the middle of the season where expectations are higher than that of a like one and 15 or two and 14 team where you get in the locker room and it's just quiet. And then there's a guy just screaming in a bathroom stall like there. And then there's a somebody slamming something and it's just there's no noise. There are just these little outbursts. And that's like what a truly painful NFL loss sounds like in a locker room and being on a team where you're just struggling to get to that second half of the season and you're losing a lot of those tough ball games. Um, it reminded me of 2018. We started four and six off a of Super Bowl. And who would have thought that we'd be a drop away um, down in New Orleans uh, from being in the NFC Championship? We were so bad, dude. We were just like, we were hopeless. It was like we lost games in the dumbest fucking ways. But um, something about teams with maturity and with experience um, allows you to buy them low. You know, I really do think that when you look at a team that's starting slow, do they have experience? Do they have maturity? Do they have veterans? And obviously, are they any good? But, um, you know, like, I don't think Cincinnati's that good. But they could make a run, right? Because you believe in the quarterback and they've been there. They were there last year. It's it's hard to get off the mat even after you lose a Super Bowl. It's not just winning a Super Bowl. Um, New England's another team that they look like one thing in the start of the season. Um, and then the se- in the second half of the season, they'll probably look totally different. They've already started to look like they've gotten things together, right? Like people emerge. You can bet on coaches, right? Like Bill developing Jack Jones, bringing in young guys that you're like, oh, man, he didn't play much early in the season. Um, you know, figuring Mac out. Maybe figuring out how we want to call plays with Joe Judge and Matt Patricia. I, I, I think there are certain teams that you can always buy low. And when I was in New England, they talked about the season really starts after Thanksgiving. Uh, I think it was Thanksgiving. Maybe it was Halloween. I always fuck this up. And that's why I wasn't a long-time New England guy. But they they definitely, Bill has a, you know, a time period in the season where he's like, okay, everything after this is real. Like nothing you do in September and October, like you have to do it, but nothing you do in September and October really means a shit. And I thought that was so interesting because the other places I've been, it was like, every game's important, you know, and they all are. But to, to say out loud that like who you are after this time period is really who you are as a team. It's so true. Because when people do these power rankings and people talk about like, this is the best team, that's the best team and doing in October, I'm like, I really don't give a shit what the team looks like in October. Like I wanted to put San Fran really high. San Fran started really slow. And like, if I said San Fran was one of the, the, the top five teams in the league at some point, you know, people would be like, yeah, look at their record. I don't care. I want to know what they're going to look like in December and January. And that's the way football is like it, your team they you learn things about your team you learn things about your personnel uh and you morph into whatever you're going to be in december and january and it's hard to buy what you see oftentimes early in the season okay we tried to make it happen we were trying to turn you into the uh the danny green of the nfl to get your third ring with a different team out here in la um 
Honestly, yeah. I still think you could have done it. 15 snaps, just a vibes guy. But now they're but not good. a lot of work that goes into bringing that vibe to the table on Sunday. Would, would I have had to practice and shit like that, Ryan? I knew it was out when it was like, how far do you live from their facility? I was like, <laughs> wait, like where the guys live and do stuff or where they play? Yeah. I'm like, man, if it's just game day, it's a pretty yeah. easy commute. I go, if yeah. it's the other stuff, you, and you were like, how bad is traffic actually? I'm like, it's as bad as everybody... It's fucking hilarious. You move out here and the, the second topic after where do you live is, oh, yeah, how do you do? I'm like, I don't really go anywhere, man. So yeah. it's, it's not it's not a problem. That might be more of an issue than traffic itself. But, okay, they're bad. They're, they're the defending Super Bowl champs. We saw week one. They couldn't protect. But I'm going, look, the Bills are loaded. They get pressure with four. Look at all their personnel. Plenty of good teams have that what the hell happened game. And I mean, look, now it's just injuries everywhere all over the place. What do you do if you're the Rams? What about your boy, Aaron Donald? So that that's interesting because we were talking about this on Greenlight and I keep asking people. I asked Stanford Steve the other day. I was like, you know, I don't think they're very good. I haven't thought they're very good this year. Like, I, I don't think they were built to be that good. Like, if Allen Robinson didn't pan out, if they couldn't get the run game going, you know, like Whitworth retired, guys have gotten hurt up front. And I think you were kind of just patching Stafford together last year down the stretch. Like, I think Stafford was really hurting. Um, and I don't think, like, guys get any younger, right? Like, especially after the beating that he probably took this year. I mean, he's trying to get the ball out quicker. He's still getting getting hit. Um, you don't have a lot of draft capital, right? Everybody knows that. But, like, you're in this funky spot this offseason where you're like, do we... Do we hit the reset button? Like, I don't know where Stafford is mentally, physically, but if I had to guess, like, I don't think like that's going to get any better. Right. Um, yeah. You no, know. you bring up just to jump in real quick. And I, yeah. you know, I'm always, I never really know what to make of like, whether it's the public stuff or the private here, private stuff you hear about somebody's injuries where you go, a lot of these guys are hurting, man. And then some guys like telling you about their injuries more. And then sometimes like telling you about an injury is the right call because it's like you want to know why I look like a completely different person. Like I remember watching you after one injury and I go, hey, I think you're, you're doing all right, bud. And you were like, fuck no, I'm slow. I'm hurting. It was I think there was a Green Bay game where you pulled up and it just looked like your leg stopped working. Yeah. You're so pissed after the game. And then it's like, okay, well, Chris isn't playing as well. And you're like, did you see what happened in that other injury? Like, you could just see the way you were walking. And just to wrap it up and, and tee it back yeah. to you is that I think Stafford, and I, I trust, I think he was like really hurt last year where there were some thoughts that they were like, I don't know, I don't know what's going to happen with him. So the fact they pulled off what they did is pretty remarkable. I just don't yeah. know how much he'll open up about that. And again, I want to you know, say, I want to say it was his back last year. And I got to, a story about that one, like I can remember being 2011. It was my contract year. Uh, we were playing Seattle. I forget what happened, but Robert Quinn ran into my ankle. He also broke my tibia. <laughs> Fucking guy. Uh, <laughs> and you Bay. still like him? I love him. Um, it was my fault for rushing high. We had a bad rush plan. We both ran into each other, but I I had a high ankle sprain, which they hurt like 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 a broken ankle. I thought I broke my ankle and. You know, I didn't want to be a baby about it. So I went into the training room and kind of tried to gut it out. And, you know, they were like, yeah, seems like a, high, a low ankle sprain, which is like a totally different thing because I was trying to tough guy it. And we ended up shooting that thing up every week. And, you know, I couldn't walk during the week. And then I'd shoot it up and numb it up and go play. And I actually played pretty decent. Like, but I was still dragging it around a little bit to the point where six weeks in, it wasn't getting much better. 
And I was like, Spags, can you put me in the injury report? Like, so people know, like, I don't give a shit that the tackle is going to try to cut me. You know, like, I'm not worried about that shit. Like, I think the tackle knows that I'm hobbled a little bit. Like, so uh, can you just say, like, you know, <laughs> he's been dealing with an ankle or something? And Spags was like, no, nah, we don't want people to know that. <laughs> but sometimes when you're playing, you just want people to kind of know that, like, you're not 100% here. And I can remember even, you know, like, after I uh, had I had a two years in a row, I kind of got IR'd and had an ankle surgery, came back too soon. It was really bad. Like, I remember seeing Earl Thomas and um, at the Super Bowl, and we were just bullshitting. And he was like, yeah, man, you're an absolute dog when you're healthy. <laughs> and I, I was like, oh, you saw the tape, too. You know, it's just... Uh, it's hard. It's hard playing hurt. And I know Matt Stafford was playing um, hurt last year. Like it, no, no secret back, whatever it was. And the, the thing that made this year hard looking at the Rams, in my eyes say they suck. Like don't trade for Brian Burns. Like, please don't not for two, especially not for two first, bro. Like, no, not at all. Okay. That's not going to be the difference. And that's too much for the player. But I look back at them last year, and I can remember watching them in Tennessee, Ryan. If you remember that game when when Tennessee came to Tennessee again, ruining the vibe. They ruined the Lambeau Field vibe in primetime. They went to L.A. last year, and they hit Matt Stafford so fucking hard, I remember giving up on the Rams. And to think that they turned it around and won a Super Bowl, and a lot of that was adding Odell and, you know, um, and Von Miller. Um, they're so far away this year, and I think it's already over, it's safe to say. I wasn't a proponent of adding pieces because I thought it was like pissing in the wind. You know what I mean? And um, I think at the end of the season, depending on where Stafford is, I don't think it's unreasonable. And I asked Steve this as well to move a piece like Aaron Donald or Jalen, uh, Jalen Ramsey, because, uh, and that's not being disrespectful to these guys. The reason I would trade them is because they, they're so good. They, they can, they can get you so much value, you know, with capital. And at some point here, you might actually have to make some picks, like, say, like, Philly. Okay, we just talked about, they just sent out a fucking APB for interior linemen, right? They ended up with Joseph and Sue. I don't know if those guys are long-term, uh, you know, options for them. Look at Philly. Fletch plays 70 snaps. You got, you got, um, you you have uh, Hargrave as well. You have some really good players inside, but, like, you have a top five pick from New Orleans. Like, send that to L.A., you know, for Aaron Donald, like there's a, maybe Aaron wants to finish his career in Pittsburgh. Like, I don't know, bro. He's my buddy, but I don't talk to him about this stuff. So like, that's not, not at all what's going on here. But if I was a GM of the Rams and I was less Snead, I know you've been like, fuck them picks. But if you've played so badly that you're going to pick in the top five, but you don't have the pick, you might want to actually you know, flip the script on this thing if you like a kid in the draft uh, enough. And you might want to look at some of these really heralded veterans. One was almost going to retire at the end of this season or before this season, right? And Aaron Donald, how do you think he feels after this this year? If Matt Stafford isn't, isn't 100% going forward or you have any doubts, this is an impasse. And whether it's Jalen or it's Aaron or it's somebody else, um, you know, you could get like a Tyreek like Hall for one of these guys and kind of reset the clock a little bit. How would you feel about that, Rye, if you were less seen? I, I have kind of an overall philosophy about trading in all the sports where, you know, the one that always drives me crazy is when you have like the ace pitcher, but your team isn't that good, but he's like 30. And you go, okay, well, if he's cool being here, 
we're going to want somebody like this in two years. So whatever reset we're hitting, let's keep the guy. All right. Basketball drives me absolutely crazy when you look at a, a young team that isn't very good. Right. right? Like, here's a good example. Like, I've, I've started to really like Helda Johnson of the Spurs. Okay. You know, he's Who developed doesn't? into something. He's developed into something. The Spurs are, are plucky. It's kind of a nice surprise. They're not going to be very good. But then it's like, you know, would they flip Keldon Johnson? would be like, you know, hey, after I take all the draft picks, I'm going to want some of the good players also. And so when I look at somebody like Aaron Donald, I would ask him straight up, hey, are you happy here? Because we're going to try to fix this thing here again. Now, it sucks they don't have their pick. Um, that went to the Lions. And now that pick like starts looking like, man, you know, the Lions are going to have some options here with their own situation. Uh, you know, you look at some of the other stuff they did. Like, I couldn't agree more on the Christian McCaffrey thing. You're like, why are you going to put real assets into trying to outbid the 49ers or Christian McCaffrey when he's not going to solve your problems? You know, if you can't block for Stafford, why are you going to be able to block for McCaffrey? Like, I get you could get creative and slot and all this other shit to make a ton of sense. If Donald were happy, and I think he's probably still going to age well. I oh, yeah. Yeah, I just, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be in a hurry because like what, in your mind, the rebuild doesn't mean it has to follow your timeline, but in your mind, you're going, hey, in the NFL, okay, this is year one of being down, year two of being down, but if we can be back to year three and move, move, you know, who knows? You'd have to do an amazing yeah. job of the whole thing. Then I'd want the player back that, you know what I mean? So No, I, I hear I hear you, and, and Aaron has, I think he has a no-trade clause. I'm not totally positive on that, but, um, and this I is- you guys are friends. This is yeah, exactly. This is fantasy GM. This is like total fantasy GM. But right. you know, you bring up your guy in in San Antonio, of course. I mean, how how unexpectedly well are they playing this year? I have league pass, but um, I don't really know, Brian. As far as any good, uh, but in basketball, you, you, you can turn things around quickly, right? You can go. Uh, out. I mean, not really. I mean, if you don't have those guys, you. I think football, you can change who you are quicker in the NFL you than you can. Oh yeah. That really? I, look, I think being an NBA GM is way harder than the other two. I, I really, I will debate anybody on this. It's just you can bring in a coach. You know, the NFL talks about how close everybody actually is in talent. And sometimes I'm watching NFL games. You just go, okay, whatever. You know, depending on the pace of the game, nine to thirteen possessions. It's like, oh, I fucked up on two of them. So the the two and eighteen beat us, and we're Super Bowl contenders. <laughs> And I think that doesn't like imagine if you had a really good basketball team and a really bad basketball team and the really good one turned the ball over a couple times. Yeah. Late, and then the bad yeah. one wins and you go like in the playoffs, though. So even though I think it makes it a great product, you can't apply that same argument to say how close it is and then say it's actually the harder league to be the GM in because one of its the, the quarterback part is a real thing. But on the other side for the NBA, if you don't have one of the two, like if you don't have two of the guys that really matter. You're kind of just spinning your wheels. And I don't know, like, I, I guess you got to go through like clutch or whatever to get, get whoever matters. But like, uh, the, 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 uh, the, the damn free agency thing seems a lot more like anything can happen in the NBA. As long as you have a market where guys are willing to come play. I just know like LA, it sounds great and everything. I don't think they have a ton of cap space next year. Um, you know, and, and what, what are you going to do at quarterback? If, if Matt Savory's 34 years old. You know, so what 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 Stafford's going to give you next year if all things go well, and I hope I'm eating my words because I really like some of the guys on that team and, you know, Les is a friend and I hope it works out. But like you might play yourself into the middle and he might retire. 
you know, and, and then what you, 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 you kick the can down the road a little bit longer. And this, this, this free agency veteran quarterback roulette thing has not gone well for teams. Like look at Indy, that scares me right out of doing that thing. So, you know, like if, if you're in love with a guy in, in the top five to 10 and you can parlay and it doesn't have to be Aaron Donald, it could be Jalen. It could be, you know, you have, you just so happen to have two generational players on defense who may not what you heard Jalen after this last game. Like maybe it's Jalen. Yeah, hey, Jalen was like pissed that they had to go back on the field and play defense again. And I would be too. Third and five, you you run the ball. Like third and five back up. Bucks have no no timeouts. You run the ball, the Bucks get the ball back, and that's all she wrote. And like, you know, if either of these guys aren't happy at the end of the season, or respectfully, if Aaron's like, there is somewhere I would want to go. And I don't want to finish my career like this. Maybe I don't want to wait two years. You know, maybe I'm trying to, you know, I don't know. Maybe I have goals. Um, this is going to be tough to achieve them here. The bigger picture view, I haven't changed my mind, but specific to Donald, something you just said, if we're to believe the retirement thing was real, which I never truly believe with NFL players weeks after the season is over, knowing that he was looking at a massive extension, which you are right, includes a no trade clause. If that was a real, real flirtation, then I would move them out because then I don't want to end up being like, oh, I could have I could have gotten maybe two first or, you know, a first and two seconds. I don't know what the price would be on him. The retirement scare would probably decline, you know, would would lead into the pricing of the whole thing. All right. Before we let you go. Yeah. You hit me up the other day. And you said what? I don't get Seinfeld. <laughs> Did you ever watch Seinfeld when it was on? Yeah, so Seinfeld maybe um maybe too much to come back uh from for Seinfeld because when I was a kid I remember it was always on when it was homework time. You know, like and I just dreaded doing my homework. I was a terrible student, you know, ADHD, didn't know it. You know, um thanks a lot. No medication, mom and dad just out there in the wind with ADHD, trying to do homework with, you know, that noise in the background and the laugh track and all that shit, Rye. I just never liked Seinfeld. And then the other night I was trying to, um, like, I was trying to get my mind off some shit and I was like, oh, let me just find a, like a comedy to watch. I was like, I think I'll try this Seinfeld thing, you know, um, popped it on on Netflix. It's only nine seasons, by the way. Only? Uh, that's on Netflix, at least. Uh, but some of the later seasons, I think there's like 30 episodes or something. So anyways, uh, I, I started with episode one, season one. And I was like, uh, I, can't. I was like, I can't okay. do it. Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. Okay, so I was like, All I right. can't do this. Then I went to episode nine because I was like, oh, let me try the end. No. Five minutes lasted. You know, like, then I text my buddy who likes Seinfeld. And, and you know, uh, of course, I hit you up. But like, he was like, try four through seven when Larry David was in like a groove and he was he was a great writer and all that stuff. And I tried it and I was like, ah, nah, I just can't. And the stand-up's bad. Like at the beginning, is that stand-up supposed to be ironic? Like at the beginning of every show? It was a way to kind of, I don't know, meld up the, the whole idea of like, he's a stand-up. It can only get better from here. Right. By the way, you starting season one, episode one, that's 1989. It doesn't work. The pace, the show is so slow in the beginning for the way the show works later on that what you did was 
you you it's like you went to a restaurant everybody told you actually it's still great and you're just like no because the first bite of what i had just doesn't taste good and i just i don't want to go back again you not liking it like you just have to sign up for the idea that the show is stupid in the best way possible that it's that it's just it's still a great show i actually started watching some episodes again same thing with netflix i threw on some of my favorite you laugh you laugh during that show i appreciate how funny it can be but i'm not a big out loud laugher no okay so so yeah you're not um so somebody described it to me like a seinfeld fanatic described it to me and george is pretty funny Um, george is the best character on the show yeah so or banya (laughs) so i didn't get that far so uh somebody described it as it's more about the importance you know and when when somebody starts it's about the importance, like they're admitting that it's not that funny or the music's not that good. It's just, it was, it was, the timing was right. Like you had to understand, you know, the time in the, in the nineties that played and it's, it's just, it was more important. And I'm like, okay, so what you're admitting is that it hasn't aged that well. And you don't laugh when you watch the show. It's like, yeah, but I didn't, I didn't laugh out loud when I was watching it during it's probably like it was appointment watching. Obviously I'm a bit older. It was then the rerun thing, like that was our escape in college. Like there was a back-to-back Seinfeld block on the reruns where, you know, for four to five o'clock, that's all anybody was doing. The show, I would argue, as hard as it is for shows to hold up, that show holds up better than almost any show from that era. Like maybe Uh, Taxi, Taxi's in the car, but I don't know. Like, do you like Taxi? Do you like Arrested Development? Like I, think I tried, I've, I've tried Arrested Development because I love Jason Bateman. I love uh, Will Arnett, and I, I actually like their podcast too. Like I, I don't listen to a lot of podcasts. I listen to Smartless because they just seem to have a good time. Um, and I think that when 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 you listen to that show, you think they have show notes that they pass out once a guy comes in, and and like maybe some guys don't know who it is. I think they have Wikipedia up a lot. Yeah. Yeah, I like those guys. They seem incredibly well, well, you know, easy to like. And then um, I, I tried the same night after Seinfeld. I watched Arrested Development, like the first episode again, and it was on a houseboat, and there was a lot going on. And I was like, ah, oh, not tonight, you know. Okay, like, all right. But sometimes the pilots are really tough because it has to be kind of written differently because it's introducing you to all these things, yeah. and then you're thinking, why am I invested? Why do I care about this? But you are a tough person to impress when it comes to television. You hated Yellowstone immediately. Well, I was right. You were shorting Yellowstone. You were it's seriously a soap opera in it's like a it's like a fucking, I don't know. Knots landing. Yeah, it's I I just can't, dude. I can't. And so like when you watch Curb, do you laugh out loud? When it's funny, when there's a moment, like there's a there's a clip. I don't know, I forget which one it was. Ricky Gervais. Curb's great, by the way. I'm not I'm right. not including Curb. Curb is if you're asking me what's funny, Curb's funny. The Office is funny. Like whatever. But but it, it's not about laughing out for me. It's about appreciating. Like God, that was so clever and that was so funny. And in Curb, it's whoever is improvising in a way that's funny. Or like when Ricky Gervais runs into Larry David at the party. And he goes, oh, yeah, Seinfeld. I'm not going to do the accent. He's like, oh, Seinfeld. He's like, I love, I love, you know, the, it's with the laugh track. I love shows that tell you to remind you when to laugh. And you're just fucking so insulting. Yes, dude. And it's, yes. it's just great. Like that stuff. That's what I like. You know what I love, too, is what's going on. Your guy, St. Lou, shout out, is John Ham's comedic chops 
are off the charts. Oh, he's so funny. It should be illegal to be John Hamm, bro. Good looking, funny, cool. I saw him in Vegas. I was just in Vegas, ran into John Hamm at the Tower Suites bar at the win. He was headed to the Blues game. It was a little St. Louis reunion there. Like I, I'd met him once or twice. He'd been on the show. And, you know, like you, you expect when you run into somebody, they're like kind of like he's an actor, but he's so fucking normal. Yeah, that's what everybody Such says. Such a normal guy, cool. dude. He's a yeah. normal guy. I really like John Hamm. Yeah. His All scene, right. his his um bridesmaids, his uh couple scenes in that movie is so funny, dude. Uh he pulls up in the Porsche. <laughs> <laughs> I love John Hamm, dude. Yeah, he's great. You know what he's great is in the Apple ads. Where Was it calls- Bridesmaids? Yeah, Bridesmaids. He's yeah. he's um <sighs> He's he's like the shitty boyfriend. Yeah, he's just such a menace, dude. Oh. Kristen Wiig, who like is it's classic because I mean, yeah. I I I identified with that relationship. Yeah, yeah. Kristen Wiig on the airplane, like that movie's just so fucking good, dude. It's that a great movie. movie. Yeah, Kristen Wiig so like hitting yeah. home runs left and right throughout that, that entire movie. It's an awesome yeah. deal. I'm not sure about the Irish guy being a cop. In the middle of nowhere, though, but I I thought they just right. to get the, yeah, you're right, yeah. But that you know what? And I'm nitpicking, and that doesn't make a ton of sense. You're being a different, me. Yeah, yeah. I just oh, look. I don't, I'm going to say tell you to give Seinfeld a chance, but it sounds like you've already made up your mind. I think this is where the generational gap. Send me the best every now episode. And then. Best episode. Just send me the best episode. I'll try it tonight. All right, sounds good. That is Chris Long. Please subscribe to and listen to the Greenlight Podcast series. He is great at this. Uh, it's always a good time catching up. And I guess I'm going to come on and hang out with you guys next week. So let's do it. I'm hoping so, bro. That'd be great. The NBA season is underway, and it's the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Because right now, new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. Plus, FanDuel is the only sportsbook that's giving all customers three months of NBA League Pass when they make a $5 bet on the NBA. That is completely worth it, by the way. I didn't even realize that until I'd seen this new promotion. Um, Because League Pass isn't cheap. So that's a no-brainer. All right, bet for tonight. Here we go. This one's not going to make a ton of sense. But I'm going for it. Golden State at home, getting home, minus seven and a half against the Knicks. All right. The Knicks beat Denver the other night without Jokic. They beat Utah. They're on a bit of a roll here. They're eight and seven, but it's going to be their third game in four nights after some mountain range stuff back to back. And as bad as Golden State has looked defensively, and it's looked bad, and now the rotation, the younger guys are kind of out of it. Although I guess Kaminga was supposed to play in the Phoenix game, but then he didn't. Um, so it's not like a punishment thing. My guy, Anthony Lamb, UVM's own Vermont basketball factory. I think it makes sense. Uh, he's getting minutes ahead of, well, it looked like Moody got into that game. Wiseman has been sent down. They don't defend. Clay looked pretty rough in the Phoenix game. Curry went off for 50. Uh, just something about them being home and the Knicks with three in four nights. Don't love that number. Don't love giving it all out. But and that's why I'm kind of doing it because I'm not sure that I like it that much. FanDuel has all of your favorite bets from the money line to point spreads to player props. You can even combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with the same game parlay. Plus, with live betting, you get updated odds on games that have already started. So if you were late to it, you're like, oh, I didn't get it in. Oh, wait a minute. I can go to FanDuel. Updated live odds. So download FanDuel today and use the promo code Ryan, R-Y-E-N, to make every moment more this season with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of 
the NBA. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. Refund issued as is non-withdrawable free bets that expires in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. This episode is brought to you by Netflix. A gentleman always opens the door for you, but the gentlemen are just as likely to break it down and stash their drugs inside. The Gentleman, based on Guy Ritchie's award-winning film, is a new Netflix series that follows a whole new cast of criminal lords and ladies slumming it in Britain's criminal underworld. Guns out and pinkies up. Don't miss The Gentleman, now playing only on Netflix. <laughs> Continued economic responsibility demands restraint in government expenditure. And last year we achieved the largest ever recorded reduction in the budget deficit, 1.5 billion. The World Cup is upon us, so that means we go abroad. I'll probably do an F1 recap here at some point. Little drama this past week with Verstappen. And by the way, signs and Leclerc. That was weird. Uh, but no one to go abroad with better than actually he's better than Kevin Clark because he's he's just more Whoa. Italian. Yep. That's it's true. Steve Cerruti, dad Steve Cerruti. Uh the first time with you since since becoming a dad. We have to spend a minute or two on that. Yeah. It's official. How how are you doing, Pops? Um honestly. Better than I think I expected. You know, the sleep isn't great. Uh, I, I had the trifecta the other day where I got pooped, peed, and puked on in the same day. So that was fun. Um, but she's actually pretty great. She's a good sleeper. I mean, I've been told, like, she's, I mean, she's not even a month old yet. So I, I think she just kind of sleeps all the time. But, you know, minus like the slight sleep deprivation, I've been watching a lot of TV, watching, I mean, I've watching a ton of games. I'm up at night. So it's great. So I'm kind of like in the mix here. The SGA stuff the other night was great. So I feel like I'm on top of the NBA thing. I'm ready to go for the World Cup. Like, it's, I'm in a good spot. I feel good. Anything else to add that you feel um, that you need to share with us? No, I mean, you know, I don't know. I mean, just do you get it now? Does it do all make what? more sense now? You know, well, just I will say my right life? arm is not strong yet from holding her. I, I, we will. That's it's TBD. I know the, the life advice guy who I basically said was was lying about being stronger by holding your baby or your child. I have, we haven't enough time to test that theory yet. So I, I don't know if I have dad strength officially. I definitely don't. I think if my bench was, you know, it's, it's probably at an all-time low right now. But uh, hopefully, like, that kicks in later and I get the dad strength at some point. Okay. Noted. All right. Let's do a little World Cup preview with you. More exciting player, Phil Foden or Cody Gakpo? <laughs> wow. You're, you've, been, you've been doing some real research here. Uh, Gakpo's awesome. I think, you know, he, he could potentially be on Manchester United's radar, although I don't know why you want to go to Manchester United right now. I really do like that Dutch Tell me team. about it. But I'm going to go with Phil Foden. I think Foden is, uh, I mean, he said he wants to win a ball in door. He said that he, you know, he wants to be like the next kind of like Messi, Ronaldo type. He he has kind of the talent. I don't think he'll end up getting there. Um, usually English talent is really overhyped, but I actually think he's very, very good. Plays for Manchester City. So I will go slightly Phil Foden just because he has a bigger body of work. Okay. Now, Gakpo, he plays with the guy that looks like the extra from Die Hard, right? On who? PSV or on, on, on the Netherlands? On the Netherlands. Which guy are you talking about? Holland? Virgil van Dyke? No. Oh, no, 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 no. You're talking... Holland... No, 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 no. Holland plays for... He's not even in the World Cup, dude. Come on. What are we doing? Well, okay. Wait, is he, does he play with Foden? Uh, he does play with Foden. Oh, yeah, he so that's Manchester where I... City. You knew yeah. I... You know, there was a reason I screwed it up. Sorry. He's... Erling Holland, he 
is actually the most, I believe now, the most expensive player in the world, like transfer fee wise. Um, but he plays for Norway. They don't really have a ton of talent. They actually have two really good players, but then the kind of the rest of their roster sort of sucks. Right. So he's you out. Know what? He's, got like, he's got like Never a month mind. off. Yeah, never mind. Never mind. Now we're starting to break down teams that aren't even in it. We're three he's minutes into the He's also more of a segment. Viking, I think, than a villain from from a, from a Die Hard movie, but that's all right. Yeah, he's got a real look to him. Okay. Uh, the U.S. is 18th in odds. I looked at it this morning. It's plus 15,000. Yeah. I'm sure, you know, whatever. Give us, give us the overview on a U.S. team where it appears, based on what I've read, People are excited about this being step one of realizing like a talent increase. Like it just feels from a talent standpoint, the way this team is being talked about. Although maybe we're very guilty of repeating the same fucking storyline going into it. Uh, but we'll see, I guess. No, the, the talent on this team is definitely different than it's ever been. Like I, I know like you get like some of the old heads, like, you know, like the like Donovan's, the Clint Dempsey's, the McBride's, like all those guys that can because they've gone to you know, they've been to a quarterfinal of a world cup, which this team has never even sniffed. I mean, this, this group really hasn't even made a world cup, obviously. So like we are getting a little bit ahead of ourselves, but if you just like project forward, this is the most talented generation in the history of us soccer. I don't even think it's particularly close. You've got over, I think upwards of 50 different guys playing in major European leagues, which has really never happened before. I mean, obviously Christian Pulisic plays for Chelsea, one of the biggest clubs in the world. Weston McKenney plays for Juventus. Like this, this, this has not happened uh, before in us soccer history. The problem is, with that, obviously, comes the expectations. And they had an okay qualifying. They finished third in CONCACAF behind Mexico and Canada. Um, you could argue that they should have done better than that. You, there's a lot of U.S. fans that don't like that don't like Greg Berhalter, who's the, who's the coach and the manager. And so I think for me, like this is a group. They've got Wales, they've got England, and they've got Iran. Obviously, a very interesting group for a million different reasons, politically, on the field, whatever. Uh, but this is a group they should get out of. I mean, England's going to win the group. They're the favorite. Um, in all likelihood, they win the group, even though I don't, I'm not super high in England in this tournament. Um, the U.S. has to finish second. They have to advance in this group. If they don't, heads are probably going to roll. And this is a huge litmus test for basically the, the program and these players. The players aren't going to get blamed because I don't think like you can, it's not like it's one of those things you can never fire the players. Um, and honestly, I don't think it's their fault. I think the U.S. kind of plays a style under Berhalter that doesn't really fit like who we are as a nation. We typically play like the underdog scrappy. We fight for every loose ball. We're not trying to play like the tiki-taka Barcelona style. And I think we do do that too much, even though we do kind of have some talent. So for me, bare minimum, they have to get out of the group. So I think after this World Cup, it's either going to be, okay, we can build towards 2026 where the World Cup will be here in the United States, or it's going to be, oh my God, it's doom and gloom. We didn't get out of the group. And like now we're probably firing a manager. I'll add this. Uh, as you all know, I don't know a ton about it. I do enjoy it, though. I'm not dickhead American about it anymore like I used to be when I was younger. You know, I used to get pissed about it. I'd make fun of it. Uh, and then you give yourself a chance and you watch it and you go, this is epic. This is arguably the greatest sporting event in the world. I mean, it really is that much fun. I don't know how it's going to fit into my basketball and football schedule. Uh, slightly different start time for this one than we've had in the past. But yeah, I just really wake do. up breakfast and soccer, dude. It's, you'll be fine. Yeah. And the cool thing with soccer is you can do stuff. And then when you hear it, you kind of know yep. when to look up. Um, yep. Unless you know what they're doing, you know, with their back quarters. You know, I don't know. I mean, you're not breaking down means. like the the low blocks and you're not looking no. at like, you know, overlapping fullback runs. You just want to hear the exciting stuff. So you're good. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I mean, total, total fraud with this whole thing. But if I've, if you'll allow me this, whenever I see like Premier League, morning Twitter going off or whatever, and then international stuff and being around some of you guys that are really locked into it. The coach approval ratings for this sport <laughs> are the lowest of any sport. And I don't like saying this a lot, 
but it's not even close. You think play call guy at Buffalo Wild Wings on Mondays is bad? You think you think NBA stat guy that thinks every GM and coach sucks is bad? You think I can't believe he went with that arm out of the bullpen because I've watched 115 straight baseball games is bad? Soccer fans are the fucking worst because every time somebody loses, it's like, oh, well, they were playing the wrong style anyway. It is unbelievable just sampling it. And it will happen, as you just said. Like, when is so what happens? They just bring back Bruce Arena again? Because then no. when he comes back, people, you know, I'm just I'm just laughing at how when the Americans lose, it's always and the same thing happens at all the club stuff that's happening overseas oh, yeah. too. So it's not, but it is it is another level of the coaches always wrong that I've ever seen. Yeah, like in, in soccer, and this is kind of what I what I like about it is, you know, if you hired a, a like like Nathaniel Hackett, right? For example, I think we all think he's pretty much in over his head, right? And you know, it feels that it, way. It doesn't yes. feel like he's, it's going to work out super well for him in Denver. Uh, he'd he'd already be gone if he was a soccer coach. Like he'd be, like he would have been gone probably week three. Um, which you know, th- like Jose Mourinho is one of the best coaches in the world. He wins a title with Chelsea, and like the next year, he's fired. Um, Leicester City, they win the most improbable championship maybe in the history of sports. Right? They win the Premier League. I think it was 2016. Um, unbelievable achievement. They fired their manager the next year after they had a bad start. Like it's, just, it's I, I kind of respect that they're just like, hey, as soon as something goes south, we got to get a new guy in here. And a lot of it, though, like soccer, is a, there's a lot of vibes to soccer. You know, it's like the, the mentality, the locker room. Like, and if you've lost it, you just kind of have to move on. And, you know, you kind of need a new voice. Whereas in the States, I think like you would probably see a bad coach get a full year. That's not going to happen in soccer. I will push back, though, for the U.S. angle on this. Burhalter's got enough time. It's not like he he's had he's had multiple years. And, and granted, he he in some ways. I think he's done a good job because he's taking over a team that missed the freaking World Cup in 2018, which is absurd, which should never happen for the United States. Um, but on the other hand, like it still is a very good team that he's coaching. So like I want to give him credit for saying, all right, yeah, you made the World Cup and there's like, some excitement around the team. But I also don't want to give him too much credit because I kind of feel like the average Joe could have just taken this team to the World Cup. They are that talented. The question is, how do they become, you know, how do they get from just winning, not not even winning group, getting out of a group and losing in like the knockout stages, the first round, right? To how do they start making quarterfinals and semifinals? That's the that's where you need to look for the next potential manager. I don't even know if that's possible, but I do not think that that's Greg Berhalter. But I, maybe I'll be proven wrong this year. Who knows? It just feels a little bit like that NFL game where you go. I mean, I'll just do Bills Vikings with it, where I go. I'm not gonna now say I think the Vikings are better than the Bills, even though they won at Buffalo, tough place to win. Like I still like Buffalo, and to me. Even though it's like, well, what do we keep track of? Like, it's two very good arguments. Like, okay, cool. Like, you think Buffalo's better. They just lost to the team that you don't think they're, uh, they're worse than. Where when I look at like the US group, I'll go, everybody agrees the talent, like the depth of talent, the high end talent, the pipeline here, it's improved massively. And if they weren't going to, if they play well, but don't get out of their group, it's like, oh, this shit sucks again. And it, it isn't like it's it's both things, um, but it's it's very hard to kind of make an argument or win the argument when you're saying it's both things. OK, um, it's been the Euros Cup since 2002. Yep. There's a real push for the South American countries here. Brazil's your favorite, plus 320 on FanDuel. Argentina's plus 550 behind them. Francis third. We can run through all the odds here. Francis plus 700. It feels like. The, the soccer lifers would love to see a return for the World Cup champ to be out of South America. How do you feel? It, it feels a little romantic, the storyline version of it, but I don't know. Maybe it's the real, maybe it's the right call. 
no, I, I'm I'm definitely rooting. I'm rooting for Argentina. I picked Argentina to win it. I think uh, this. I they've been to a final too with Messi. They lost uh, to like to Germany um, in the past, but I think this is kind of their best team all around him. Like in the past, Messi. The issue has been like, all right, Messi's really great, but they have all these other players that don't really fit well with Messi. And in this current version of Argentina, they do. They've got a lot of guys that are friendly with him, that play well with him. The defense is a little bit shaky, but like I think they've got you know Lautaro Martinez. They've got you know Angel Di Maria is still there. They still they have a they have a really good solid veteran team that I think is the reason that I picked them to win it all. Brazil, I would say this is the best Brazilian team in definitely 10, 15 or so years, probably since the last time they won the World Cup. Um, and the, the issue is, I don't think you know uh, Uruguay is another team, by the way, that in in South America that I like a lot. The, the talent pool, though, in England or I'm sorry, in uh, in Europe is just it's there's just so many more good teams like for for qualifying in South America. It's really hard, but there just isn't the number of sheer teams that are really good. So like, it, so Europe's always going to kind of have that over South America. I think that if this was a year to do it, it probably would be the year because I don't believe any South American team has ever won when the tournament has been in Europe before. It's obviously in Qatar, which isn't in Europe. So like there's a good chance. I don't know if that's like a voodoo thing or if it's actually like some real science behind that. But. I the only issue is like Argentina and Brazil are most likely going to play before the final. So they're like they're most likely playing the semifinal because they're going to win their group. So one of those two teams is going to knock the other one out. Um, but I do think the winner of that game probably ultimately goes on to win the tournament. OK, uh, last thing. No, Italy. Yeah, it's a bummer. It's a big bummer, especially because I think they're still a top 10 team in the world and they're somehow not in the tournament. I also think there should be a rule. I know people disagree with me on this. Italy won the Euro like a year ago. 20, Euro 2020, it was in 2021 because of COVID. They literally won the Euro. I feel like that should be the NCAA tournament. You should get an automatic bid into, into the into the next tournament, right? So like the winners of all these different continents and like CONCACAF or CONMEBOL or whatever, if you win whatever major tournament that is in your region, you should get an automatic bid to the to, to the uh, to the World Cup. It doesn't, it doesn't feel right that the Euro winner is not in the World Cup, and especially as a, a, a nation as big as Italy. Now, they screwed up and they have no one to blame but themselves because they lost to a North map. Well, first off, they missed the penalty against Switzerland. And if they had made that penalty, they would have been in the World Cup. And then they went on to lose to North Macedonia, which I mean, there isn't even a Macedonia. It's just a North Macedonia, which makes no sense. Um, so they have nobody blame but themselves. But Italy not being in this cup, this is the second time in a row, too, that they're not in it. It's such a bummer. I mean, I'm not one of those like diehard guys, especially you know, a lot of them are from New Jersey who are like, yeah, hardcore Italian. I'm where I got the tattoo on my back and I'm wearing like the Italian colors all the time. Um, but it is a bummer that they're not in it because they they're one of the best teams in the world. Yeah, North Macedonia, just north of not Macedonia, Greece. No, no real Macedonia, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, who are you rooting for? Who's your, but besides the USA, are you looking for a team to like hop on their bandwagon? Yeah, I don't know. I would say Iceland's, Uruguay. Iceland's not in the mix anymore. Iceland, not in the mix. They have been in the past. Um, yeah, their best I players, enjoyed them. Their when best player is kind of a, in, a, in a bit of a, a mess right now. But um, Oh, I didn't know about that. So, people. Don't worry about that. We'll push that right. to the side. Um, okay. but I think, I think, I think if you're looking for a team that's fun, that can make kind of like an unexpected run, France, I would go with Denmark or I would go, no, France, no. Well, the issue, the, the interesting thing, I made this comparison. I think this is a good one. A lot of people look at France and they look at all these big teams and they're like, oh, look at all these star players. Like they're so amazing. But the world cup is a lot. It's, it, it is, and it isn't like the NCAA tournament, but in the way that it is like the NCAA double a tournament is you know, France is like that team with a bunch of four and five star players who like don't really have a ton of chemistry together, but they're just really good on paper. And then they're also in a group of Denmark who is like the directional school with like a bunch of fifth year seniors who have been playing together for like five years. 
there's like some weird stuff where like a much less talented team because they have this camaraderie and the years of playing together can beat out a team like France. Like I'm not very high on France in this tournament for a bunch of different reasons, but Denmark is one team where they just have a lot of guys where you're like, all right, he's not great, but they play so well together as a team. They're 28 to one. I think there's a good chance they can get to the final. I really do. Maybe Belgium. No, nah, I'm fading Belgium. I think they're, I think they're, they've been like the it team for the last decade and they haven't done anything. So I'm, I'm fading them. Their team is right, old now. Every time I watch De Bruyne, every time I watch him, I'm like, it just looks different. It looks He's like great. this, this bash, this basketball thing. Like the first time Steve Nash really started kicking ass and you go, oh, wait, this guy just kind of does all this extra stuff that's always, good and smart and it's perfectly executed and I still can't pronounce his fucking name right after all these years um but yeah they're right now in FanDuel it goes Brazil Argentina France Spain England Germany Portugal Netherlands and Belgium as the ninth best odds at plus 1700 okay yeah uh what are you going to be doing during the world cup now that you're a dad are you Ring doing your gambling stuff? feed yeah it's actually pretty awesome me and Paul Carr Paul is uh he used to actually work with us at ESPN yeah. research guy he's now the well, director of content at true media he does like a bunch of stat stuff for CBS ESPN Fox all their soccer coverage um he is the best numbers guy in the sport he's gonna be doing a pod with me pretty much every four to five days we're gonna be going through games and talking about bets that we like and we actually have up now our base it's like an hour of just like a huge World Cup preview we go through group by group we tell you who we like as long shots um group winners, all the all the above. That's up now in the Ringer Gambling Feed, so check that out. It's a lot of fun. And uh, me and Paul will be there pretty much every four to five days throughout the entire tournament. All right, sounds good. Congrats on everything, man. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, dude. Good to see you guys. This episode is supported by State Farm. So look, a little rock hit your dude's windshield on the highway. And at first you're like, what is that? I'm like, oh, it's just a little mark. Nope. Now by the end of the ride, it's a big crack. And it had been a while. So I check out the State Farm app. I go, hey, this is what happened. And the funny thing is, is I was like, do I want to go app first or do I call old school guy? Probably should call. I was like, let's check out the app. Not only did it take a minute to get done, they set up the glass replacement. They told me the estimate ahead of time, said, do you want to go ahead with it? And I was like, now I understand it's all in front of me, all done. I didn't even have to talk to anybody. That's how efficient the insurance game has become. But really, the only words you need to remember are, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm has options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, just like I did, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to somebody. The app was so good, I didn't even need to do that. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Learn more at statefarm.com. We've had him on plenty of times and people look forward to it every single time. Van Lathan from Ringer, other projects. Uh, he and Rachel Lindsay, Higher Learning, the podcast comes out Tuesdays and Fridays. Uh, last time we talked, I think you said, go fuck yourself. I hate you because I was in Baton Rouge for the win against Bama. It was upsetting. It was, well. It, it, no, no. You don't get to dictate to me how I felt. Right. Fair. You don't get to dictate to me how I felt. Let me guys tell you a little bit about the blossoming relationship between Rosillo and Lathan, the new lethal weapon of our times. Um, it, it, you know, Ryan went to Baton Rouge and like a true friend showed me the picture after the game. Okay? Not before. Not, hey, Murtaugh. 
You want to come to Baton Rouge? Briggs was already down there, right? And yeah, 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 yeah. I I saw Uh the face you just made. Uh You didn't know what you you walked into a bus saw. And you know what's funny? I got so many, so many people hit me. So many people realize what's happening right here. So many people hit me. Van, I saw Rosillo. Rosillo was here. Rosillo was here. How have you taken over Baton Rouge to be somebody that I didn't hear Shaq was here, uh, blah, 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 blah. Van, Rosillo was here. Rosillo was here. Everybody's hitting me up on some Rosillo was here. But I was so drunk at that point that I had nothing but love in my heart that you could that you could, uh, that you you could could experience that. I got to be honest with you. One of, uh, not one of, the biggest FOMO I've ever had in my life. That I, Like, the single biggest moment of FOMO I've ever had in my life. Sometimes you get FOMO when you watch browsers and stuff, but, like, it, it, it's, like, the biggest FOMO I've ever had in my life was watching you after LSU beat Bama. I couldn't believe it. Yeah, look, um, I've been going down there since 08. Uh, I've told the story plenty of times. Saban's first game back, overtime loss, heartbreaking. And I'm like, oh man, that sucks. This place is going to suck tonight. And Brandon Landry, founder of Walk-Ons, going, you're in Louisiana. Like, there's no bad Saturday nights. It can't happen. Right. And I was like, wait, what? Like, you guys still celebrate? And then part of me was like from this Northeast thing. Like, you just lost this heartbreaking game to a rival. Saban's first game back. He should have never left. And you're not going to be depressed about it. Like, you should sit in a room and punish yourself. You should not allow yourself to have a good time. And it's like, no, no, no. That's just not the way it works down here. Like, what's wrong with you? And I was like, yeah, what is wrong with me? So I've gone to almost every Bama game since 08, there Mm. or away. I've missed a couple. I went to five games during the title year. And I just love it. And I honestly, look, we could talk about the football. We could talk about the access. And I'm very, very lucky because it started with ESPN where, you know, Michael Bonnet and, Mm. you know, Louis Bourgeois and String and and all these guys took care of me. And there's plenty of places to take care of you, especially when you're rolling through with the ESPN banner. But it was just something that was so different that I'm honest, like as I get older, like I've, I've, I know I already had, I've fallen in love with the place. And mm-hmm. to get to share that with other friends who kind of are like, what's your deal with this place? And you're like, look, I just come for a weekend. Trust me on this one. And then on Sunday, they just look at you going, I can't believe like this is an actual experience that gets to happen to people for the last 48 hours. And on top of it all, to beat Bama, where they hadn't beaten them over a decade at home, it was, you know, it's just, I don't, I'm not going to apologize for being a guy from the Northeast that didn't go to school there that fell in love with Louisiana and Baton Rouge. So you were, by the way, just once again, I'm going to make sure that you guys understand why Rosillo is so good at this job. Because you listen to this podcast, you're like, fuck, this is great. Why? Rosillo just very casually told me, motherfucker, you know I go down there every year. You know what I mean? He, he was like, I go to every Bama game, so you should have known that I was going to be there. Ryan answered the question while praising my hometown at the same time <laughs> and didn't think he did he did two things at once. It's like, yeah, man, been going down there for a long time. Since way back in the ESPN days. Dry your tears, move on. Here's the thing. Uh, How did we not go to this game together is really it's, like, yeah. It's, yeah. It's, but I w- understand, I was never going to go. Okay, never. Why? Right? 
because I'm one of the few. Like I have, tr- I had trouble watching the game on television. You know, it, 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 I, I'm one of the few. See the ones that like uh, that you just talked about. There are some of the of us others that after the game is over and we're disappointed, we go straight to Tiger Droppings, which is the LSU message board, and just cry. So for me, I never forget being in the being in 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 Tiger Stadium for the Georgia game. I think it was 03. It was definitely 03. Uh, Matt Mock, Scholar Green in the, in, in the back of the end zone. We win. Sets us up. Uh, won a big, huge game. Game day's there. Sets us up to win the national championship that year. Uh, first one since 58. And everybody talks about what a great experience it was. Not for me. I'm hanging on every third down. I'm like, I'm on pins and needles when when Bama kicks the field goal to go to overtime in that game, I'm like, not again. Like, not again. Like, I was so on, I was just just destroyed with anxiety. And then we win, and all and, and all of a sudden it's like, damn, I should have been there. Damn, I should have been there. Everyone, you know, my phone blew up. Like, dog, I had 200 text messages from all over the spectrum of people. Everybody's hit me up, fan, 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 fan. And it's just me in the house, drunk with the dog, trying to make the dog put the LSU helmet on. That was my night. You know, I took a private jet down, right? Well, come on, dog. Well, come I'm on, just man. fucking with you. I, oh, I was fucking with <laughs> you. <laughs> not, not exactly at that level. Okay, well, so can then. I ask, can I ask you a question, though? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, what time did you get on campus? Uh, well, I always end up having to usually travel out a day early mm-hmm. um, because I got to tape Friday's pod. So I got down there Thursday night. I went right to LaBerge. Shout out to LaBerge. Oh, yeah. Shout out to LaBerge. And, you know, I was sitting in my room watching football. Did you tailgate Saturday? Yeah, a little bit. But I, I wanted to watch Tennessee, Georgia. So I wasn't like I was we ah, were going for it hard. I mean, and look, and then the worst call is staying an extra day Sunday to watch football so I can tape Monday and then fly to L.A. Next time I'm going earliest flight back taping Red Zone. And because that to stay after it's that was staying at the party too long. Because yeah, after sure. Saturday, it was just, you know, because look, on the field and all that kind of stuff, but then the night just goes a lot later yeah. um, because of the win or after a loss. Okay, so let's let's also do this. Let's transition this because it's a couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. We both knew the Arkansas game. You're like, okay, this is a letdown. Wasn't going to be a good performance. Yeah. Right, right. Okay, they survive. I now want to have a son to name him Harold Perkins Jr. Yeah, it's nuts. I just want to name him that. You think they're beating Georgia? I don't think think is the right word. Um, there's no reason to believe that LSU will beat Georgia. There's not. Okay. There's not. A, there, there's no. You there, From a football sports analysis, you can't really make too many reasons why LSU would beat Georgia. Or um, some would say why LSU would be hyper competitive in that game. I mean, Georgia is uh, a well-oiled machine. And if we look at what LSU has been able to do with the team this year, then you see that, you know, we were worried about depth in places where an elite team shouldn't have to worry about depth. We were worried about having, we weren't even worried about, 
the quality of players at the beginning of this year. We were worried about just the numbers, just the numbers. If we're going to have enough guys, enough bodies to roll in after we rolled out like 39 scholarship players to a bowl game last year. Um, Now, obviously, we've played pretty much an entire season of college football and the team has grown. They've gelled. We've gotten some contributions from players we didn't think we were going to get contributions from. We lost Mason Smith in the first game, but guys like Makai Wingo and the the rest of the guys along the D-line have stepped up in a crazy way. So we are as well-oiled as we've been, but playing against Georgia right now, you're playing against probably three, four years of a functioning elite program. And on a neutral field, we don't have the the advantage of, of Tiger Stadium. On a neutral field, you wouldn't think that LSU could win the game. This is a long-winded way of me saying, that I think we got a chance. <laughs> I, I, I think I, I think I think we got a chance. Uh, I have no reason to believe that. I just this team, especially in the big games, man, because the letdowns that we've had, we we played terrible against Auburn. We played terrible against you know uh, on a on a on an icy field at Arkansas. We didn't play our best game in Mississippi State. We pulled away late, but against the 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 better teams besides Tennessee, which was a just an aberration when you look at it now. You know, this team finds a way to get up and keep things competitive and really assert themselves. So I have no reason to believe that LSU will be competitive in the game, but I think that they can be. And I think, you know, we have some really standout players at positions that are really consequential. Harold Perkins really makes a difference. Jane Daniels, when he's on, really makes a difference. The wide receiver core really makes a difference. It's going to come down to whether or not the offensive line, which obviously everyone knows has two true freshmen on it, will be able to hold up against obviously the best front in college football and a veteran front. Well, not a veteran front, but a really experienced front, um, you know, over in Georgia. And if we can hold up on like on a line of scrimmage, I think we have a chance. You know what I mean? Yeah. I always feel like after I leave Louisiana, I get a little that voodoo stuck on me and I'm just like, all right, you know, now, but then I could totally see him losing to Texas A&M. But the difference is I don't think that Les Miles, I don't know the coach O, I don't know if they win that game against Bama, you know, and that was kind of the the feeling afterwards. It's like, you know, this place has won national titles before and coach O and everything they did in 19 was incredible. But, you know, writing this ship, when you and I were sitting on the couch watching them lose to Florida State week one, to see them write this ship and, you know, everybody makes fun of me when I say, hey, they're still really talented because they just always are usually really talented. Like whatever LSU's problems are, it's not because there aren't guys out there that are going to be playing on Sundays. Um, but yeah, I, I think I have, a. I, there's no real reason why I would think they would have a chance against Georgia, yeah. especially because it, it isn't Tiger Stadium on a Saturday night. You know, if anything, it's it's kind of a road game, especially with Georgia's playing in it. Um, but we'll see. I mean, UAB at AM. Let me change topics here real quick. Sure. How do you feel about Twitter possibly ending? <clears throat> Uh, last night for just those that are, and I like to, I like to bring everybody in because all of us that are on air now for the last decade have done a fucking awful job to like, it's a disservice to the audience because we're wrapped up in our own little bubble and it, and it spawns topics and all this different stuff. And there's just Mm -hmm. so many people that actually aren't on it and good for them. And they're just like, you know, you guys are really too single-minded with how much you talk about Twitter. And this guy said this and all this stuff. I'm guilty of it. All of us are. It's made all of us, I think, actually worse collectively on air. Having said all of that, last night was a fucking absolute meltdown because it was... <laughs> here's I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw the theory at you, okay? It was 
Would we agree that Twitter leans left? Yeah, of course. Okay, right. Yeah. Studies done. Yeah. Elon is, is At least not my a, Twitter. Yeah. Right, yeah. right. Elon is not a, a hero of the left. Okay. And right. Yeah. And for, for many reasons. So what I see is that a generally overwhelming liberal stream of contributors mm-hmm. rooting against somebody they want to see fail, but also deep down the reckoning of rooting for something that you don't actually want to have happen, which would be the end of Twitter. So last night was a fucking freak show. Yeah, it's it's the conundrum of of uh, of our times, meaning that. So Elon Musk, it, I don't like Elon Musk. <laughs> All right. I'm not an Elon Musk guy, but that's not going to be the type of guy that I root for. I'm going to root for like <laughs> Lil Boosie. Before I really, you know, you know what I mean. This is not my type of deal. I, I'm from a place where I, I, you know, I don't root for the Bond villain. I root for James Bond. You know what I mean. So, so you know it. But so here's the thing. No one wants to see the end of Twitter, and I think it's funny that kind of people were like, "Yeah, Twitter is gonna." But but what people do want to see is the they want to see an example of certain processes certain ways of thinking um, and certain philosophies crashing and burning, right? And so that is the, that that to me is always interesting to see. It's Elon Musk is just an avatar for people, right? For things that they don't think should be working and things that they don't fucking like, right? Twitter is a product that really, to be honest with you, is quite destructive. If, we, if we're being all the way real, it's quite destructive. Last week, for whatever reason, um, I decided I wasn't going to be on Twitter all week. And I had a sublime week, bro. I was outside throwing the football, like pulling up YouTube videos, getting my technique right, trying to drop it in, over coverage, trying to recognize different things, warming up. I had so much other time to not be like fixated on things that were going on in parts of the world that I couldn't control and being like sort of barraged with all the bad news or even all the good news, even the things that you should care about. Hey, don't you, isn't this the greatest that the first person did this thing? I was like, nah, I just kind of want to have a nice salad on a Wednesday. You know what I mean? Um, however, like when you look at the fact that a guy spends $44 billion on an app that people really rely on, and he thinks that he is so cutting edge, bleeding edge, that he's going to change every single process around this and it's going to go smoothly. It's funny to watch that shit not work out. It's almost like when Chip Kelly comes to the NFL. Chip Kelly comes to the NFL and it's like, oh my God, the Eagles, it's not Oregon, dog. Slow that shit down and build an offensive line. You're like, you're a genius where you were. Sometimes those things aren't transferable. And I'm not going to say that Elon Musk doesn't know what he's doing about running the company or whatever, I'm sure. Uh, I, I was saying last night, I don't think this is the end of Twitter, but he was like really, really fucking up the flow of Twitter. He's changing the verification system. He's he's telling the Twitter people, apparently he comes and he tells the Twitter people, we're going to change this workflow up this is going to be the hardest place you've ever had to work in your fucking life. And you have the choice whether or not you stay or you quit. <laughs> these kids were like, these 
grown adults, whatever, they were like, well, we quit. And so everything's fucked up. So I think people who are against hyper-capitalism, against uh, incredible wealth inequality, um, against sort of guys who are bullies in the workforce. I know some people who work at Tesla and worked there for a long time. It's not the easiest place to work. I think they were happy to see those processes and those philosophies failing. Um, but I don't think anyone wants Twitter to fail because, Ryan, there are people who are only relevant. Like when I say only relevant, I mean their only relevance in life is on Twitter. Like they're only funny on Twitter. They're only smart on Twitter. They're only they're they only matter on Twitter. If you think any of those people want Twitter to go, you're fucking fooling yourself. Yeah, and that I think was a dilemma because you're right. Like they're look, it just face it. Like there's certain people I'm like without this app, I don't know what this person's like. I'm just never going to hear from this person. I'm never I don't know see. what they do. Right. Yeah. Right. And I think Twitter taught me a few things that the more we get to know each other, the less we like each other. Um, and I also think that something's really interesting is the people that know us the least criticizes the most, mm-hmm. you know, like you and I, as we've become friendly friends, I'd like to say now at this point, it's okay. You can say it. They're not going to, you can, you can say it, Ryan. They'll, they'll come after me, not after you. <laughs> There's some code in that. Uh, no, just like I always think it's kind of interesting. Like, oh wait, we might disagree on something, but I know I know this other person, and it's like, okay, all right, so we disagree, but I know I think I know where this person's head. Okay, all right, you know, mm-hmm. so I'm not going to get on this person's ass. Maybe it's just that human contact. But what Twitter is is an experiment of like how easily you can be like fuck this person mm-hmm. because you don't know them and. Yeah. That's not a good thing. I mean, there's no version of that event. I I guess I'm a little naive, though, and like all the hysteria last night, I thought, is this really just it? Like somebody's going to turn a button off because people are mad and like all of a sudden the app isn't going to open? I mean, I understand the coding part of it. He's completely the verified thing. I don't know who the fuck told him to just let anybody be verified. And then you have to hit on the check to see why they were verified, whether they paid for it or didn't, because that that really does take away from like, why am I listening to this person? No offense, but like there's yeah. like a lot of times I would just look through my verified feed and be like, okay, you know, who's fucking with me? Who isn't? Right. And now it's a free for all. So like to think that that's enough of a revenue generator to change your, your whole model like that, that seems rather short sighted and just fucking wrong. We had fake Woj's all of a sudden just talking about Kyrie being cut within Yo. hours. <laughs> Like, I thought that shit, I'm so stupid, bro. I thought that shit was real, dog. I don't think that's like, your fault. Bro, You're just bro, rolling through it. Bro, I'm looking through and I'm like, the Nets have, cut. I'm like, oh, shit. And I'm on, I'm on like, I'm on, I'm on a text message. I'm on a text thread with Bill and Tommy. And I'm like, I'm like, yo, did you see this? And they're like, man, it's not real. And I felt so small. <laughs> I felt like, I'm like, they, they got me. But you're used to, and this is a, a, a weird thing with branding. We've been able to brand intelligence almost in a way, you know? So, like, you're used to seeing blue check means something you should listen to or something that's worth listening to. Means a little bit more, which sounds, I mean, it just sounds, sounds elitist. So it sounds elitist. shitty. Yeah. But 
Sorry. I, I saw that is Woj and, and, and just knowing that was a genius tweet. And just knowing the climate that we were in, um, I, I thought it was real. People, that was something that people were saying. People were saying they got to cut them by the weekend. They'll never play again. I'm like, oh shit, they fucking did it. But that just showed you why it's, it's difficult, if not impossible, to change the flow of an entire uh, cultural machine in one or two moves. I don't know what's going to happen to Twitter. They were saying, from what I understood, Ryan, they were saying that, like, when the World Cup comes, which is, I guess it starts this weekend, right? And if there were going to be so many people on Twitter because of the World Cup and nobody's going to be staffed, that Twitter would go down and then there wouldn't be anybody to bring Twitter back up. So, but I don't know, the tech stuff, I was just wondering, everybody was saying goodbye Twitter, goodbye Twitter. They were tweeting that, like, this might be my last tweet. And then they were retweeting people that were saying, if this is your last tweet, it's been good. Well, obviously, motherfucker, it's not your last tweet if you're retweeting somebody after you. So I just didn't understand, like, the tech part of why it wouldn't be around. But maybe it will fail. Who knows? Things change, bro. Things end. Want to do a couple of life advices? Let's do it. It is time for our weekly FanDuel Picks segment. We should have had Saruti throw one in, but that's fine. doesn't matter. We're going to get them all caught up. Uh, I am going to look at the public money. The number of public, the highest percentage of public bets are on the Chicago Bears, plus three. Everybody loves the Bears now at Atlanta, so they're plus three. Atlanta on the other side of FanDuel, minus three. Only 19% of the bets backing them. Give me Atlanta, minus three at home. Okay, uh, I lost last week. Did the Cleveland plus three and a half. Don't know what the hell I was thinking, but the over, you know, I've been I've been pretty good at sniffing out these overs under, so that's going to be part of my thing this week. Um, you know, you got me all jazzed up. You and Chris Long got me jazzed up about Mike Tomlin. So I'm going to take Pittsburgh plus three and a half versus Cincinnati without Jamar Chase. I think that's worth noting. Uh, and then it's over 40 and a half, which, you know, that's kind of a low number as far as the over-unders go. So over 40 and a half and Pittsburgh plus three and a half. That's going to be plus 238. And that is what I call value. I love it. Kyle with a little lingo in there as well. This episode is supported by H&R Block. Knock, knock. Real estate pros. You could save up to 30% when you file your business taxes with Block Advisors instead of a typical accountant. That's because Block Advisors was built by H&R Block to provide small business tax prep that doesn't cost an arm and a leg. Their tax pros are specially trained to help real estate pros like you get every available credit and deduction, 100% accuracy, guaranteed. Visit blockadvisors.com slash real estate today to get started. Average savings based on national average fees for federal form 1040 plus schedule C and one state filing in latest available 2020 survey conducted by the national society of accountants. Pricing may vary. See blockadvisors.com forward slash guarantees for full details. You want details? Fine. I drive a Ferrari 355 Cabriolet. What's up? I have a ridiculous house in the South Fork. I have every toy you can possibly imagine. And best of all kids, I am liquid. So, now you know what's possible. Let me tell you what's required. Okay, life advice, rr at gmail.com. That is the email address we're going to do with Van. I did a bad job of promoting. I don't know if we would get some more Van-specific life advices, but I just think you're so good at this, it's not really going to matter. Like you, you know, or like me, I should say, been through the wars a bit. Yeah. You know, so uh, a lot of relationship stuff here. So let's just go back to a relationship one. Mm-hmm. Um, this is always the big dilemma. This guy wants to ask out a coworker. 
Mm-hmm. I always say everybody has this rule to not date the coworker until the hot coworker likes you. Then everybody decides to not follow the rule. All right, here we go. This guy threw in a model pick here too, Van. Sham. Mm-hmm. This guy's this guy looks pretty good. 62190. Don't lift, but I'm a scratch golfer. I don't like the way I said damn, but this picture's massive and his hair's like wet and he's in a tank top. So he put a lot of Ryan, effort into this. Ryan, so, Ryan, right. let, let it happen. Yeah. Well, look, I'm just the the let it the happen. response is more about the effort. But <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, listening since Rosillo was on part of my take. Kyle mentioned this on the pod a few years ago. Again, the guy said 62190 scratch golfer. All right. Um he mentioned the pod basically about the guy whose girlfriend wanted to try other dudes before marrying, like she was taking samples at Costco. Yes, we had somebody, a guy emailed in and said the girlfriend wanted to just sort of date around for a bit, and then maybe I'll circle back with you. Um, Kyle said, all caps, never date a coworker. Kyle, did you say that? Uh, yeah, I did say that. I said you should try to avoid it if you can. Right. But I also said I did it. So. Yeah, right. Again, never seemed strong for you. I think never. Or so anyway, uh, dilemma I'm currently facing and hated hearing Kyle say that. I work at a pretty cool place. He does. We will not share it. And one of the people on my team of 30s, uh, 30 people is extremely attractive girl who also happens to be awesome. Out of the 30 or so of us, we're basically the only two single people right now. I'm aware that I'm pretty good looking. How about that sentence? Have you ever that. said that to anyone, Van? No. No. As a matter of fact, in the times that I've been called handsome, I've been so deeply embarrassed. <laughs> so, no, I've never said, ah, you know, I'm aware that I look good. You know what I'm saying? Like, people be fucking with me. Bitches like me. No, I've never, I've never been there before. It's not my okay. style. He then said he's a 7 out of 10. He's not a 7 out of 10. This guy, if this guy can't give himself a fucking 8 and a half, um, he also, this guy. Ryan, are like, you in love? No, but I'm just being honest. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm fucking with you, dog. Van, uh, show, Van. Show, show, show me, show, send me the picture. To text me the picture right now. Somebody text me. I got to be able to see this. I, text so me the it, picture. The fucking picture's so big, though. You guys got to scale these differently. Like, I, I think I have to take a Put video. it in the chat. Put it in the chat. Put the All picture right. in the chat, Kyle. Hold on. Somebody put the picture in the chat. I got to see. Okay, Van, I just sent it to you. Okay. Yeah, this dude. <laughs> Like a lie, he's kind of, he's slightly beautiful. Yeah, like I'm not. Yeah, it's like, but wait a minute. I see what you were saying. I see why the damn happened because this is not like this guy is like a a straight up. This guy's like a model. He's like he's modeling. This is a modeling photo deal. Like this is a this is not like a regular. I don't have any pictures of me like looking. Is he he's trying to be sexy in this situation right here. So, yeah, I get what you were saying. Yeah, okay, so good-looking guy. Yeah, there's just a lot going on. It, it kind of yeah, looks like right, a right. movie poster for, like, a it bad does. movie. For, or like, something. a Nicholas Spark, Sparks movie. You know, one of those, like, notebook-esque films where there's going to be a guy and there's going to be and it's going to yeah. go the whole nine and he just came back from World War II or whatever. But, um, but yeah, so, yeah, he's a good-looking guy. Can I, can I say something here? It's imperative that I know what he does. I don't have to know where he works, but it's imperative that I know what he does because my opinion on this changes based upon your occupation. Fair point. Yeah. Uh, he runs he runs social media for a major company. He can't do it. Okay. All right. Let's read the rest of it, though. Okay. Yeah. I've heard plenty of people say, I, I don't understand why this guy's giving himself a 7 out of 10. I can't get past that. But I also <laughs> like that he goes, 
<laughs> I'm a seven and a ten in any city that's not LA or New York City. You might be a seven in I don't know though. New York City, it's not like the guys are fucking hot. They're just Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. This is weird. All right. This this this, this was a seven in like Milan. Yeah. You know? Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? This is a seven where it's nothing but models. I just gotta be real. You guys would have to see, I know this is coming up. You guys would have to see the picture. Like he's just, like this guy's like a Milan seven, like a think like young a Brad Pitt, yeah, with longer hair. Um, <laughs> maybe not Brad Pitt, okay? Maybe not peak Brad Pitt, right? But you know, knockoff Brad Pitt, knock which again, Pitt. I'll I'll fucking take knockoff Brad Pitt all day long. So yeah. he said his friends are saying don't do it. I've heard plenty of people say that, but also it seems like there's a shitload of couples out there who met through work. Yeah, no kidding, man. Yeah. Plus, after a work party, she DMs me asking for my number to quote send pics from the party he says a sign not sure so this guy also has some confidence stuff not only is he underrating himself looks wise he's also not sure if that's a sign where that is 100 percent a sign sign. uh we've continued to text casually for a few weeks even hung outside of work a couple times but absolutely not a dating situation at this point i say fuck the don't date a coworker crowd and want to take the shot if it goes bad whatever good shooter never remembers his last shot all right here's the confidence it's coming full circle Mm -hmm. so what i'm wondering what's the best way to proceed do i go as blunt as possible and just ask her out asap is there a safer route to go down love the pod Hmm. van all right so a couple of things here number one he's he's gonna do it so it really doesn't matter what we say so he's He's doing to do it he's doing it that's he basically should. 99% of all of these. He's they in. write an email. They already know what they're doing. He shouldn't do it. I'll tell you why. Number one, you can date a coworker if both of you work at like Best Buy. You know? Is that what you did? Did you ever ask anyone? about well, you were on the floor at Best Buy. Does that make it different? Oh, I tried them all, Ryan. Yeah, I know you. I tried, like, I tried, I tried them all. I never even put that in my, I tried them all. Brenda and Appliances? I was, hey, what's up with you? How you doing? You know what I'm saying? What's popping with you? (laughs) You need some help? You know, like, for me, I was a volume shooter. I was the Dion Waiters of Best Buy. I'm trying to see what's going in. You know what I mean? Um, So, but, see, when the job changes and it starts to be a little... it was a free-for-all there, right? For there, it's a free-for-all. We're all in college. We're all, you know what I mean? It's like whatever, whatever. They don't even care. They actually, I feel like they want you to have camaraderie with your people because it makes for for different, because we're there so long, it's like they don't want shit to get bored. In this situation, let me tell you why he shouldn't do it. Number one, if he was going to do it, he'd have to be deadly confident because the moment that it does go bad, this guy is going to become a nuisance. I can already tell you right now. Love him. Not trying to talk shit about him, but he's he he doesn't have the moxie that it would take to keep it straight after shit does go bad because it will. It's going to go bad. He's talking about couples that get that meet at work and get married. Five to ten percent. He's gonna date her for a little while. Something's gonna happen. It's going to go bad, and I don't feel like he's confident enough to just move on. I feel like he's the type of guy that's overthinking things. What if she she's already coming at him? What if she starts liking somebody else? What if she brings her boyfriend to a work event? Is this guy's confidence going to be able to hold up against this? Number two, when you're in a job like he's in, this was at TMZ. At TMZ was a place where you don't want to date your coworkers, right? Because before Did you, you? Date, 
No, never. Before, but 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 before you, I was involved the whole time. But like before, before you date your coworkers at TMZ, you have to have a little meeting. You have to have a little meeting. It was funny. I used to call. I used to call it. I'm fucking. The I, you have to have a I'm fucking meeting. <laughs> you have to go in there with. I'm serious. This I'm being for real. You can ask anyone. You have to have a meeting with the fucking brass there, and you have to make it known. Oh, yeah. No, they had that at ESPN. You were supposed to go and sign off on stuff with HR. My out was I wasn't made a full-time employee until like year six. So I was like, I'm not doing any of that. Right. So you like, he's like, yo, man, I'm, I really like it. It's like, hey, bro, you got to go have your I'm fucking meeting, bro. You have to go have it. Especially, and then it would be so weird because there would be some fucking senior producer who likes some PA and they have to go tell people. Oh, I know. Yeah, yeah. That they fucking on somebody that just got out of SC. Anyway, I digress. For this guy, I don't think it's a good idea. I, um, I, if, if I was going to say that it was a good idea, I would say that just document every, everything. <laughs> like, document that she came on to you. Just keep a paper trail in the times that we live. But I can tell you one thing right now. This dude who's in his prime, right? This dude in his who's prime. In, his, in his prime, this is going to go back. I'm calling it right now. I, he's going to do it, and I want I want to know. I want updates on this six months. This is going to go back. I would say that he, if you're going to do it, you got to be a G about it because you're like literally one step from having a thread on Twitter written about you if this goes wrong. Okay, I would add... Um... I'd love to know how you do outside of the, you know, how do you do on road games? You know, what are you like away from your own stadium? So, all right, you've got this really great girl. You're vibing with her. It mm -hmm. could be the one. Is this one of your only options? You know, based on where you live, does it seem like, you know, there's just not really enough going on in the mix or where when you're out and about, are other women hitting on you all the time? Because if they are, then, you know, that's kind of the trade in this too, where if he's like, well, where I live, it's not really popping for me. And for whatever reason, like I'm better socially in the work thing than when I mm -hmm. am at bars. Like not everybody's a great starter. There's probably even fewer closers out there. A lot of middle innings people, right? A lot of middle innings guys just eating off the rest of the fucking starters and closers. Sure. So I would ask you, what is your game like away from this situation? And if there are a lot of options, then I would say hold off. If there aren't, we already know what you're going to do anyway. So good luck. <laughs> okay. Um, all right, another one here. Let's do one more. Sure. This one's a little bit more specific. So I think it it has more research that needs to happen here. Um, and I don't want to You know what? I want a good one. I want, yo, man, I lost two keys of Coke on the I-95 going to Miami. And I don't know if I should go back and try to get it. If the fucking Cubans are going to be there waiting for me or if the FBI is there, like, what should I do? Do you ever get those? Do you ever get like, yo... Like, <clears throat> I fucking got in a fight with a guy, busting him in his shit. He was gurgling when I left him. I don't know if he died. Should I go? Do they, you, they never get kind of that? We don't. Okay. <laughs> we don't. We don't. We don't get many of those. <laughs> you could you try to franchise this out, though, go down that road if you want. <laughs> Uh, all right. <laughs> Let's see here. <laughs> now I don't want to do the one that I was going to do. No, because... do it, do it, do it, do it, do it. <laughs> all right. I like this one. I like this. It's simpler. We're going to, 
we're going to do this. We're going to do a different one here. Sure. Um, okay. 31 single, 5'7", 200 carry it well. I, I like that. I like that too. I like that too. I didn't expect the third thing after 5'7", 200 to be carry it well. Yeah, I like it. Haven't been in a gym in about a year, but left off at a 225 bench, 315 squat. Not a runner, but just finished a 10K nonstop running that I didn't train for and ran in a pair of vans. So yeah, I'm built different. (laughs) (laughs) This guy is. Yo, this is my motherfucker right here. Give it to me, Ryan. This dude, this is the polar opposite of the guy we just... Give it to me. Whatever he wants to do, he can accomplish it. Give it to me right now. I love this guy. See, now I'm afraid that there's not a big enough of a sell on the I rest of it. I don't give a fuck. Okay. I'll just right. give it whatever. Yeah. All right. But you're going to be good on this no matter what. All right. Recently, right. I've had a problem in my apartment complex and they lost half my rent. The form of money order has escalated to the point where I want to consider moving out, breaking my lease. I was recently told of a living situation in a four bedroom, two and a half bath with two other guys. I'd be saving about 1200 to 1500 a month. This year, I've also started a small business where that money could go a long way. So, you know, maybe mm-hmm. save it about 15 grand. Mm-hmm. 31 and single, remember. 31 and single. Financially, this seems to make sense, all things considered. But I feel like 31 might be too old for me to have roommates. It is a nice house. All three of us uh, do have great jobs. Um, so the reason we would all be doing this would be to save money. But then I think about the cons. Bringing girls over, age, shared bathroom for someone. Thoughts. Go ahead and do it. Let me tell you why. It's a house, not an apartment? Yes. It's a house. That's fine. That, that changes things a little bit. See? Because if it's an apartment, <clears throat> never forget this. First move to LA, right? Never forget this. I first moved to LA. I first get out here, right? And I meet this girl. And I'm thinking that the girls in LA, they're just like different than the girls anywhere else. Right? I'm like, oh my God, she's got like a nice purse. She drives a Mercedes Benz. Oh my God. It's like whatever, whatever. And I never forget this. This is a big apartment complex downtown. And she lives there. I'm like, oh my God, she lives in this place where only the, the starlets of the starlets live. Like, oh, how am I supposed to do this? I get there. No bullshit. It's six girls living in the apartment. They have like uh, sheets hung up to like separate themselves so they can have like privacy. The purse, they're sharing it. The car, they're sharing it. Okay. All right. The fact, this happened. That's a fact, okay? Um, like literally, and I'm I looked at uh, she brought me, you back to the pad and let you see this. She exposed you to the truth. Yeah, absolutely no problem. They were Wait, they were. Were you hanging out with her, or were you just cool with her? I was hanging out with her. Okay, so I go, so I go back there. There was no shame. Like I go, don't get me wrong, these girls were bad. So when I walked in there and saw, <laughs> and saw, and saw like everybody hanging out at first, because like, I'm, I'm looking at everybody, I'm like, God damn. But literally they were, and I, I literally, I learned that the LA thing is a facade sometimes. Like they had known each other in college. Three of them knew each other in college, knew somebody else. And they came out here and they were all living in that place together. Right? That's why I do abs. I hide my apartment. <laughs> no, <laughs> see what I'm saying? <laughs> this is a different situation. This is not that. First of all, they got a house. Having a house means you have more space, means you can sell it different. See, if you're all in an apartment, you know, it looks, you're all cramped. Nobody has their own space. If you're in a house, you've got your own space. Hey, we're doing this house thing. You can talk about the economy. You can sell this as I am responsible 
and and it's not like a frat house. You know what I mean? It's not like a situation to where you guys can't do better. The only time the roommates thing looks really crazy is if it looks like you can't do better. But if you if you're in a home and the home is big enough and there's some space in the home, nice backyard, it can look like a decision that you made. So for him, and he's ultra confident, I would say go ahead and do it. You know, plus you have to you also have to look at a guy like that, the women he's dating, they're probably 25, 26, 27. He's not bringing any Sigourney Weavers back there that are really going to look down on him. You know what I'm saying? So I don't think it's a big deal at all. Go ahead and do it. Save the money. Talk about the economy. Like, get your shit, your smart shit up and run it up to anybody that, like, has an issue with it. I I did, I, the last time I had roommates, I think I was 26 or 27, but it was me, Dan, and Brett, Ohio State fan and a Chicago Bears fan. And we rode the dragon as long as we could. So I say, don't, I say, do it. I don't have any problem with it. What do you think? Well, he doesn't know him though. And mm. that is a red flag. Like we had, we call them the chefs. Shout out to San Francisco. There's four guys from Vermont that still live together past 30 years old. They all were doing pretty well. And they rented the house out that was filmed. The, I think the first season of Top Chef. So that's why we called them the chefs. And so I remember I had gone to a reunion and, you know, my problem is, is that despite some of the other stuff, there's, there's a real, like, I'll admit, I'm kind of going through it right now where I'm thinking about like how much I miss myself from 20 years ago. But at the same time, I'm like, <laughs> why do you miss that guy? That guy right. kind of sucked and he didn't have much going on. He had no money, no real prospects, not a lot of belief in him. So what do you miss about that guy? And I was like, I don't know. He was kind of awesome. So again, oversharing probably shouldn't. But I, I remember at that time of my life where a few years later, they were like, you didn't know that the San Francisco guys all still live together? And I was like, wait, what? Mm -hmm. And they go, yeah, they all live together. I'm like, is it awesome or is it terrible? They're like, it's actually kind of awesome because it's like living in a college house, but the house is amazing and they all have a lot of money. How and they old? live in a cool city. They were, I would say, middle 20s to, I don't, I, did they make it to their mid 30s? I feel like if I say they got out at like two, I think it's mid 30s. I think mm -hmm. mid 30s, they still kept it going. And of course, they're all saving money because they're sharing because they're all doing well. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they're not covering the cost of what normally would happen. So I remember I, as soon as I found out about it, I wasn't even that close to like two of them. I'm like, one of them was my old roommate. I go, I'm on a plane. Can I hang out this weekend? <laughs> Right, right, right. I missed it. And again, I mean, shit, this, isn't even, this is like now 15 years ago, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm thinking like this is, and it was, it was, to be honest, kind of awesome. But these yeah. guys had all known each other since they were 18 years old. Mm -hmm. So you could make fun of it. You could say those guys are so immature or whatever, but they were like, what's, so what's different? He lives with just one other person or I live in a same, and then we all meet up on Friday anyway and do the same exact shit because none of us are married yet. So like, you're just judging us based on our labeling, man. Mm -hmm. And really what's happening is we're just, we're continuing a situation where everybody's pretty cool. And I thought it was great. However, I haven't had a roommate since 2003. Mm -hmm. Okay. I don't want to live with anybody. Yeah. I mean, there's a, there's some version of events which will never happen again. And it's good that it won't happen again, but to come back home from work and the guys are on the couch on a Friday being like, what's the plan? I haven't had that since <laughs> I haven't had that. I don't think since 98. Okay. <laughs> So maybe I should have done more of that right. in my 20s. I couldn't do the roommate thing, but I think in this case, not knowing them gives me some concern, but I really don't think it's that big of a deal. If the house is that I don't nice, think if, the, if right. the house is nice, I don't think it's that big of a deal. I don't think it's I that big really of a deal. I really don't think 
I, and I was a bad roommate. I wasn't a great roommate. Why? Give me some. Give me some scattering report on Van Lathan, the roommate. I moved my girlfriend in for a whole summer. Bullshit. You t- you saying you saying I didn't do that, or are you saying it's bullshit? No, I'm saying it's a bullshit move. Oh yeah, I did. I, I moved my girlfriend in for a whole summer. Didn't even just moved her in. Were you bigger I, than the other two guys? Yeah, of course. It, 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 but it, it. Well, you're bigger I, than most guys. But yeah, it's true. I didn't even realize that it was bad though. That's what I love about being younger is there's no anxiety about some of these things because you go, wait, what? Man, the moments I'll have every now and then drive around by myself where I'll go, you fucking thought that was okay? Right. <laughs> I didn't even realize it was bad. I remember I remember uh, Dan and Brett are such great guys, man. So talented, such awesome guys. Shout out to my Chicago crew, Dan, Brett. Ross, Nick Sheptek. We were playing 12-inch softball and doing the whole nice. Shout out to my, my whole crew. Those guys really helped me down when I first got out to L.A. Uh, but I remember Brett comes up to me and Brett goes, hey, man, is Candace going to come in here and at least wash her dishes? And I was, and I got mad. I was mad at him. I was like, what do you mean wash her dishes? She's a black queen. She's like, he goes, man, <laughs> you moved an entire new person into the apartment. <laughs> it's like, you know that that creates, and I thought to myself, I'm like, damn, dog, my bad. And he just laughed. He's like, you, you never thought that, like, you should have talked to us before. I'm like, nah. And then I became, like, super anxious about her. And I would be like, yo, man, make sure that you keep quiet. Make sure that you do this. Because I didn't want to fuck over my roommates, right? But yeah, she was there for a whole summer, like a whole summer. And I didn't realize till like July that I probably should have consulted with these guys who had become really close friends of mine about that. So I wasn't a great roommate, I'll be honest. Yeah, it's a tough move. That actually happened to me once, but I was subletting and I really liked the guy's girlfriend. She was cool. But I remember another friend being like, hey, are you guys going three ways in the utilities? I went, no, I, I didn't even, this didn't even <laughs> dawn on me to ask for that. And it's kind of his apartment and I'm renting the room. I'm like, everything's fine. We're good. We all get yeah. along. I'm not going to press. Uh, that's Life Advice with Van Lathan. You can follow him on Twitter for how much longer? 48 hours. 48 hours. Maybe. maybe. Depending, on what happens like during the, depending on what happens during the World Cup, I guess. I don't know. And I would, I would put it this way. I'll see you at the National Championship game. Boom, boom. LSU. Okay, that was a lot. I hope you enjoyed it. We love having all these guys come by. And we'll talk to you on Monday, the Ryan Rosillo Podcast, Ringer Spotify. This episode is brought to you by Lululemon. Guys, if you're ready for a new pair of pants, try one of Lululemon's ABC pants. They're made to make you look and feel good. And there's lots of different styles to choose from. My favorite, because I walk around LA every day, I like the joggers. I'm not jogging, I'm just walking fast. But if you're working out, I would try them out. And if you want something a little sleek, maybe business-like, maybe try the ABC slim fit trouser. But I am a joggers guy. I just... Once COVID happened, I was just like, I'm, I want to wear jogging pants and joggers and all kinds of soft pants as much as I possibly can. 
especially when I'm working out. Ultra comfortable and versatile. ABC pants are really in a league of their own. Buy a pair right now at lululemon.com. 